Save Room Plays, where we talk about the games we're touching and the games that touch grace. Welcome. My name is Kevin. My name is Daniel, the tarnished. The tarnished one. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm just I'm just a nasty little I'm like a little little nasty thing. We're nasty tarnished nasty. boys. We have no maidens. Swamp nasty thing. <laughs> I'm just out there, maidenless, swampy, no legs. I got a bell. <laughs> I ring my bell. <laughs> I've been out here forever. <laughs> Look at you, tarnished one. How, how does it feel to be back into Miyazaki's world of just cryptic, weird, creepy characters that just say things to you that are like both foreboding and inspiring all at once? I think I think he'd be a very fascinating case study for anybody that, that tries to work backward and say, can I make a psychological profile off of a man based off their creation rather than talking to the man directly? Mm. And like, what, what, what can you glean from all of Elden Ring about this man except for like, oh, he's fucked. He's fucked up, dude. It's, he loves swamps. Oh my god. He loves swamps way too much. Way too much. Like, he loves poison damage. What is... What, why, why? Why do you want the, the character to hurt constantly? The player to hurt so badly. Mr. Miyazaki. Maybe it's a metaphor for life. How life is a slow poison that, you know, gets you and builds up till you die. Do you think this guy is, like, any good with metaphor? Have we seen a metaphor in the Dark Souls series? I mean, there's a whole, like, you know... The flame rekindled thing. And like he he plays with like religious iconography yeah. here and there, you know, but like it's never very direct. It's always like very vague asides to stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But if there's well, what's the what's the leading metaphor for this uh die and try again and die again game, you know? The leading metaphor is you are shit, you're born from nothing, and you rise to greatness. Gotcha. Maybe that's not so much a metaphor as it is just like a narrative arc for, you know, the it's protagonist. It's very pick yourself up by the bootstraps, too. That's yeah. a little too Western. I mean, you mm-hmm. got to remember, like, this guy's out in the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to think about his mentality. So maybe it's more more something like when you're walking through the swamp of life, it's going to burn through you and you will die alone. What's interesting to me, I'm at, we're going to do a tale of two. You didn't like that one? You no, skipped, that was you skipped right past no, it. No, I felt it really he good. He didn't care about that. He, like, he looked away. He was thinking about the next thing good. he wanted to talk about. It was good. <laughs> I, I give you a lot of credit for that one, Kevin. That was really great. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something called a tale of two Miyazakis right now. Like So Haya, Hayao Miyazaki, who's responsible for like Studio Ghibli films, you know, Ponyo, Princess Mononoke. I've only seen the Rises. I didn't see the rest of these he things. He is like historically a very depressing person, like really just down, has really grim like worldviews, but then makes these kind of like Oh, he's a depressed person. Not yeah. not that he has a status effect of no, depressing no, no, no. others around <laughs> no, him. No, no, no. Like they get all like super down, yeah. they get that status so, effect. Yeah. So he's that way, and then he makes these kind of like bright, beautiful films that like, you know, they're they're symbolic. They tell stories about like, you know, the working class or like deforestation or environment environmental strife right okay and, and then Hidetaki Miyazaki creator of like you know the Souls games he is known like he grim dark disgusting games but is also like a known as a very like bright jovial man has a jovial like a man. very positive disposition yeah so it's just interesting to see the inverse of these two like Miyazaki's and like the output of like like the input of like their work based off of like how they view the world and how they are as people. I'm sure yeah. that there's somebody out there going like, I would love like a mashup between these two creators mm-hmm. making like a game. And I'm just like, I think they'll just get into a fist fight. I they'll would, never make a game. They'll just fucking smack each other around until one of them dies. I wouldn't necessarily want to see a game, but I would like to see maybe like a short film or like, sure like a feature 
of like their two kind of worlds coming together. I don't know, dude. I, I can't really watch movies anymore knowing that the Mission Impossible series is coming to an end. Like that's, I don't know. The flavor's gone. The flavor town's gone. When is the end date? Well, that? we only got two more movies. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't even know where we're on. Seven? It's probably seven. Probably. What was the last one? Fallout? Uh, yeah, that was a dope one. Hmm. Henry Cavill coming in there, doing the work. I haven't seen that one. He was great in that one. Yeah. I think you could just watch the movie by itself and not know anything about Mission Impossible. Right on. Fine. Okay. Anyway. We, my my lineage ranch. with Mission Impossible <laughs> is impossibly short. Like, I've seen, I've seen the first and second one, and that's kind of it. Um, You've I, seen the worst ones. Yeah. I hear three is really great. It's really good. And then Rogue Nation kind of was all right yeah that, that one was fine the one after that was pretty good too i forget what it was ghost protocol yeah ghost protocol is pretty good um so part three is like the movie where we started to give jj abrams directing jobs oh that nice. was the one he directed okay and then somebody was just like what else can you do and we escalated until he ruined star wars congratulations <laughs> Actually, no, he did one of the better Star Wars movies. He did. Because he did he did the best replication of the first movie mm-hmm. uh, that you could ever, like, want, that a studio could ever wish for. You know, make the same thing but different. Mm-hmm. He understood the assignment yeah. and probably wrote, like, the SOP for it. He, I'll give him credit, too. He also made me care about Star Trek. Like, I think his, his Star Trek reboot films yeah. are really great. The third one is kind really of... really great. Mm, the yeah. second one kind of sucks. Really? You yeah. think that one sucks? Into Darkness kind of I thought sucks. that was pretty good. It has fucking Khan. Khan! Yeah. All right. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was pretty good in that. And the whole central conflict was pretty cool. Hey, the, all right, man. The third one is kind of like hit or miss for me where it feels like just a long episode that like... That's what's good about it. ...do enough with it. That's the know. thing that I think is good about it. Because yeah. like the other two were like, we want to be a saga. Mm. And it was like, that's not Star Trek, yeah. though. That's Star Wars. They call it a saga. Like mm-hmm. at every opportunity, they call Star Wars a saga. Star Trek is more introspective, a little more grounded. They're doing a fourth one. Really? If you can believe it. Most of the cast doesn't even know about it. They like somebody read it. Like I think um, Chris, Simon Pegg doesn't even know he's writing it, but he's writing yeah, it. Yeah, Chris Pine <laughs> literally said like I didn't know until I saw it announced like on like Hollywood Reporter. So he's just like I'm waiting for my call. <laughs> Could you imagine? How often do you think that happens in Hollywood? <laughs> all the time. Where, yeah. Okay. All the time. I, th- I think that happens all the time where it's just like, hmm, that's weird. They're having conversations about doing a Matrix Four. I'm Laurie Fishburne. Sorry, Larry Fishburne. I'm waiting for my call. <laughs> he never got his call. He never got his call. No. Why did they do that? I don't know. Why? Weird, bizarre choices. Well, we went off on a side branch. We movies. did. Kevin. What do you want to talk about? Uh, we're talking about video games, guys. It's the Save Room Plays. So we kind of skipped last week. Sorry. That was the week that Horizon Forbidden West came out. Um, and we mm-hmm. were just kind of, you know, playing that into it, living it. pretty hard. So we, we missed last week. Um, there hasn't been much in terms of, of news that, like, we have really deemed stuff that, like, we kind of want to talk about. Um, so we brought you, the listeners, here to listen to us talk about <laughs> open world games. Sorry, I don't want to make me laugh. It's like the, it's like the Coheed uh, uh, podcast here. <laughs> listeners, listening. <laughs> the, the listening listeners. Time consume my time consume me. Yeah, so we, we've brought you here to listen to us talk about open world games. We're yeah, talk dude. talk about Horizon Forbidden West and Miyazaki's Elden Ring. Other people made it, too. No, it's just him. Not just him? Yeah. Like, what does he even do? Like, he just walks in and goes, like, not swampy enough. And they go, I'm sorry. Make it swampier. Swampier, you <laughs> sons of bitches. Plus, I, I want people to hate themselves by the end of this game. You know, 
we'll talk about it, but this game has a great kind of nerf around that, where if you get on your horse, you can avoid poison altogether. Uh, yeah, which is nice. <laughs> I love that. Except it always demands you to jump off of your horse to do something, mm. which is fun. But we'll get into it. We will. We will get into it. We got what? Well, we got some house cleaning on top of the episode. We got to tell people about the, what we do. Yeah, let's do some housekeeping. Well, we're the save room. We like open world games. Uh. We play open world <laughs> games, and you can listen to us on SoundCloud.com/slash The Save Room Show, or Spotify, or iTunes, or Google Play, and nothing else yeah rss feeds there you go yeah. if you want to see a stream you can t- you can check me out at twitch.tv slash the red herb i stream a shit ton my god and that's why my voice is a little a little crotchety today a little little that's not right crotchety means i'm grumpy yes i am crotchety but my voice reasons. is a little coursey yes coursey like a horse you have been streaming non-stop i feel like since eh. sifu came out like yeah. where you're like i'm streaming hard to beat the game through the platinum which podcast within a podcast my boy actually platinumed sifu hootie hoo we got a podcast within podcast this is called pop that plat welcome i'm your host kevin brought to you by daniel <laughs> <laughs> how does it feel to pop that plot let me tell you man that's a hard earn right there let me tell you that was a uh capital h hard Mm -hmm. capital earn earn it was insane i gotta tell you i was like almost obsessive Mm -hmm. i think i was super obsessive over this because i started out when i was first playing the game and got to the absolute skill check mm-hmm. that is the club. Yeah. Uh, chapter two. I said to myself, oh no, I may mm-hmm. not be able to platinum this. Yeah. Like this game's hard. This game's unfair. This game is purposely unfair. Mm-hmm. But when you learn that you can be unfair back toward the game, that starts to kind of open up opportunities. And there is a level of perfectionism to the level design in that the same thing will always happen. There's no procedural generation, there's mm-hmm. no, you know, hidden guys or anything it's like you'll always know who is there you just gotta remember the entire layout and figure out what is the best pathway of destruction Mm -hmm. to finally get to your shortcuts that you can just kind of skip past these harder elements all the thing so the hardest trophy was of course the last trophy that i earned which is beat the entire game at age 25 or younger and you die at 78 yeah by the way oh okay you die at 78 25 is what you need to do. Jesus. What's up? What are you going to say? Oh, that's the last trophy I'm working on right now. So, like, I have one last trophy. I am age 23 on the final level. Getting through fighting Yang, it's like you can only die once a piece in both his phases, basically. So, Mm -hmm. that perfectionism that you said that the game demands, like, you have to... You have to know his moves, how to counter correctly, how to dodge, you know, when to fucking just parry, parry, parry to, like, break his guard. It's a, it's a really, like, you have to study it, I think. Like, there, there's ways to get through it stumbly, but if you want to get that last trophy and, like, do it, like, almost perfectly, like, you have to want it. I you think. have to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You can beat the game uh, without mastering the dodge and without mastering the parry. Mm. You cannot get this trophy without mastering both of these. Yeah, it's rough. Both of these uh, tools in your toolbox, right? And I just got into this, like, other, I don't know, this other spectrum on this game of this this high level of play where 
before there were certain bosses like level three um the artist was one of the hardest for me where i just like could not could not read her moves because she's doing these spirally like chain whip like Mm -hmm. attacks and stuff she's got a little kanai at the end of it scorpion style Mm -hmm. and then she has a second phase that's pretty devastating where it's more it's a little more procedural for what the moves that she's going to do but if she gets you you're fucked it's one of those things where it's like you can as long as you get absolutely everything right, you will succeed. But mm-hmm. like any little stumble and you, yeah, you're going to be losing some some lives on you, right? Mm-hmm. But it was so gratified in getting to a point where when you start the game again and go through the first few levels, go through level one, level two, there's five levels, right? And be able to like not lose any of my lives, at least on the first two levels. It was just like, holy shit, what have I become? Like mm-hmm. you feel like that that Neo moment, right? In the Matrix where he revives and starts doing the slow motion like uh, deflex against the agents. Yeah. And you're like, oh no. You even have like a move that feels like that. Like when yep. you hold the, the L1 to do your kind of dodges, you feel like Neo. You're like, oh my God, I'm fucking impenetrable right now. Yeah. It's great. And I got to <laughs> tell you, it's, 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 it's been, it's one of the hardest uh, experiences that I've had in a game in a while. And Would I've you? played a lot of From Software games would you say it's uh, your hardest platinum in recent memory recent memory sure yeah i think my hardest platinum was probably bloodborne that's a tough one yeah like maybe probably bloodborne it's tough it's tough to put apart like what is a difficulty platinum Mm -hmm. and what is a time consuming platinum sure and a lot of people like overlap the two where it's like oh yeah this game took me 300 hours to get the platinum i'm just like yeah but you're doing the same thing the whole Mm -hmm. time right like i could say yakuza like a dragon not a hard platinum Mm -hmm. just an annoying grindy platinum yeah, annoying, super grindy platinum. This one is a hard platinum, mm-hmm. but not the worst in the world because it doesn't require that much time from you because the game's fairly quick. Yeah. It's fairly quick. Like So I ended up getting it around like 49 hours, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. But God damn it, let me tell you, being able to get that motherfucker at the end, being able to successfully best Yang, mm-hmm. the leader, oh, oh, <laughs> no feeling like it. Let me tell you why. Popping that plat was great. I, I, I did it. The night before Horizon came out, because mm-hmm. Horizon came out that Friday, and I was, like, up until 2 a.m., like, rerunning it. Because what had happened was I was, like, three trophies away, mm-hmm. and I ended up getting, like, two of them in one sitting, and I was like, oh, no. I got to do this. <laughs> I got to finish this. I got to finish this for the gamers. Mm-hmm. I got to finish this for my family. I got to finish this for... For, for Clementine? For Clementine, the yes. cat. I got to finish this for our neighbors, Angela, down the block, all of her kids, single mom, looking fine. I got to finish this for the good parking space that's outside of our place. I got to finish this for the little thrift way down the block. Okay. Sometimes it gets me that good, good uh, chicken rub. Sure. I got to finish this for God. Yeah. God was at the, at the, at the lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Miyazaki was in there. No. <laughs> yeah. Sean Layden's in there somewhere, too. congressmen were yeah. in there. <laughs> I think um, Alan Ball and his writing uh, inspired this platinum as well. You know, it's just everything, everything. Listen, dude, I, I'm proud of you. You put in the fucking yeah. muscle and did it for Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> I did it for Florence Pugh. <laughs> I did it for you. It's Haley Stanfeld. I did it. We got it. Yeah, once once I get it, it'll be up there. I think as like one of my proudest platinums. I think probably like there. I have a lot of hard-earned Platinums, for sure, between, like, Cuphead, like, Returnal, Hades. Fucking Cuphead. Sekiro, mm, you know, Bloodborne. Like, those are some, like, tough fucking Platinums right there. Cuphead uh, sounds like it'd be it'd be harder than this one. It's it's one of those things, yeah, though, where it's, it's quick because the levels are, you go through them so fast. 
Um, and some of them are like, oh, well, I'm just grinding the same boss. It's like, well, I'm dead in 30 seconds. All right, retry, you know. But I'll always go back to Dead Space 2. I think that's going to be like one of my historically proudest platinums because that's a, that's a tough one. That sounds like a real yeah. tough earn. I, I was doing the thing where I was trying to do it a little bit every night, like in between playing Horizon. Um, I'd be like, all right, cool. I'm going to get off work. I'm going to try and get this last trophy and then I'll play Horizon before bed. And I was just stubbornly just grinding that final fight over and over again. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. So here, here here's a breakdown when you get there. I got there at 23. Yeah, same. At age 23. And the problem with that, with how the death mechanic works, is that you add however many years as deaths that you get. Mm-hmm. Unless you can reset the clock on yes. that. Right? The death counter, I guess, if you will. So... When you get to the boss fight that's that's spread out into two phases, you can only die once per, per side. Yeah. You can't die twice on either side of this, or else it's all gone. And there was a bunch of times where I got close on the second side, and you tag me once, mm-hmm. I'd be 26. We'd have to restart the yep. whole fucking level again. Every time. And I did and that probably between 25 to 30 straight times. Yeah. That's what it took. And the lead up to it is tough too because it's like you're fighting like just kind of like tiers of bosses that are like on these steps leading up to like his pagoda. Yeah, it's it's tough. I can almost always do the first phase without dying. Um, and then that last phase, it's like, cool, I get one death to kind of just like work my way through it. And if I don't have him at his like stamina guard, like or whatever we call it, the stature structure? Structure. Whatever. There's so many fucking phrases running in my head right now between all the What is it in Sekiro? poise no it's fuck it's not it's, poise oh what is it it's um oh there's a word for it it's like composure or something oh, i forget it doesn't matter yeah. it's a stupid name it's posture posture yes there we go there we go we figured it out posture and structure oh yeah so like i can get his like structure halfway built up and then he'll do some crazy attack on me and it's like if i don't like like quickly get him down in that last phase it's like it's like done right like i die age 26 gotta start over so but yeah no i'm i'm proud of you for getting that one yay Um, i the the thing i was gonna say too it's like you're playing a lot of that on stream and then horizon came out and you probably stream horizon for like 20 something hours Elden Ring is Maybe. out now. You, you stream so much Elden Probably stream that for 20-something yeah, hours. Yeah, oh my god, Looking at dude. the clock, because I did like a nine-hour stream on Friday. I took the day off to fucking play yeah. it. It was a good time. I didn't I didn't initially start the intro of the game, because I wanted to take time to make my character mm-hmm. and the whole situation. Kind of like learn it, too. Learn it a little bit. Learn like what the nuances are, because it's, yeah. always, it's always rough trying to learn a game on stream. Yeah. I think it's it's always usually better when like you're, you're already kind of... Uh, good to to decent at a game and like you know people come in and watch you stream like it might be frustrating to see somebody just fucking fail a thousand times but then again that's some people even if you're good at dark souls games it's like yeah you're gonna fail a thousand times on stream (laughs) the the crazy thing about elden ring right now is it has such a high concurrent viewer rate like 700,000 to like 900,000 concurrent viewers which is like higher than like any of the other from software games yeah so people are watching like for whatever reason right now, whether it's like they want to see their favorite streamers get wrapped up in emergent moments in the open world, or they want to see like the triumph of like, you know, watching them die a bunch of times to finally beat a boss. I don't know. It's it's fascinating to see like kind of how this game is blown up. It's fascinating to see how the genre has turned into like this widespread. It is a renowned known fucking thing. Yeah. Like it used to be this niche sort of thing, right? Like, especially with, like, Dark Souls 1 mm-hmm. and Dark Souls 2. It's like, they, they they had a monochrome of success. Now, they're more successful than ever. This yeah. is the biggest game in 
any of these these franchises. Bloodborne, Dark mm-hmm. Souls, this is the biggest one right now. I think you and I got in kind of when the series was hitting like kind of critical mass with the, yeah. the commercial audiences because like Dark Souls 2016, 3? yeah, Dark Souls 3 was like when you and I got into it and then retroactively we got into Bloodborne. Right. Um, and then, you know, Sekiro came out after that and then Demon Souls, which I think a lot of people got into because it was like there weren't many games that were exclusive to the PS5 like in that launch window mm-hmm. and it feels like a next-gen game. So like a lot of people were raving about it just for that alone. Um, so to see this kind of thing, like, what was it? During the, the Game Awards, it, it won Most Anticipated Game of 2022. Yeah. Um, they revealed the trailer at Game Awards, if yeah. I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or at least the first, like, footage of the game. Yeah, and then Summer Game Fest got another reveal. So, yeah, it's it's crazy to see this be, like, such a... Such a thing. A widely talked about game, for better or worse. Yeah, like, we, we've charted the entire lifeline of these games to, like, from starting small... Being a part of like a small, close knit community of fucking gatekeepers mm-hmm. <laughs> to turning into this like very almost, I would say it's mainstream. Souls games are mainstream. Yeah. We've done it. I mean, look at how many other games try and do it, right? You yeah, have try your. Try to do Souls things. Your Surges, you have your Salts and Sanctuaries, right? You have your Remnant, you know, like this. So there's something. You have your games. Remnant. Well, no, no, think about. Think about a big one, Star Wars, uh, uh, Fallen Order. Fallen yeah. Order. Yeah, it's a big one that's taking huge cues from mm-hmm. Souls games. I I would say just in the combat alone, but not necessarily like really anything else. I mean, there's still shortcut bullshit in their levels, right? Mm-hmm. They still do kind of the same things, but yeah, the combat is what it's what yeah. it's mainly. And I guess there's the same thing of like the meditation points too. So like there is that DNA there, but you know, it's mm-hmm. that game is also trying to be like an uncharted like narrative game and like a star wars game so like there's a lot See, I, game, I like that like that it's, that's what elden ring feels like which is like it's a souls game but an open world game too yeah. you know and that game was like it's a souls game but it's an uncharted like i want to see another combo give yeah. me it's a souls game but it's a fucking racer <laughs> like, like, well, excuse me what <laughs> yeah give you lose that this racist car's track give me that <laughs> sweet fucking speed racer souls game <laughs> that, that car is gonna explode motherfucker it's like a precarious like don't let the other cars touch you yeah i would love that that would be great you know so yeah here's here's to you miyazaki for making this a fucking thing yeah we're gonna talk about it a whole lot because that's gonna yeah. be like one of our two like game this topics um i'll say you can also find me on twitch over at twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels will i stream elden ring i don't know will you stream you got tomorrow off i do have tomorrow tomorrow off yeah and it's one of those games where it's like i do really like playing souls games on stream or or i did and then like just some of like the (sighs) say it some of the souls (laughs) fans on the fray that would come into my chat kind of ruined the experience for me where i enjoy streaming those games less now yeah, they're really weird. They're weird. They're annoying. They just kind of rub me the wrong way. They're uh, antagonizing. PvP, PvP me, bro. PvP me, bro. Oh, the like, famous PvP incident for Bloodborne. I love that one. But I just th- want to see how many souls I get from killing you. Why can't you just like... Why can't you just do it, bro? You look like you're really powerful. How, how much can I get from killing you? I'm just like, I don't know. But oh like, God. this game would be cool for me because like, I... Again, I like streaming those games and... I do like streaming open world games too. Like I had a lot of fun streaming like Red Dead Redemption 2 back in the day just for some of the crazy like emergent shit that would happen. You streamed that game? I did. I did that. I did uh, Days Gone. I did some of Horizon. You so, like, streamed Days Gone? Yeah. I did a lot of Days Gone. You streamed Horizon? I did. When did you? Oh, man. I'm forgetting about this streamer, Daniel. Back in the day. Back in the day. So I might play it a bit tomorrow. 
I, I did the same thing you did where I took a day off of work to just play a bunch and just dumping hours into it. So, like, I feel like if I jumped into stream with it right now, like, I have my hands on the game. Like, I got a good sense of, like, its systems and, like, the ebb and flow. So I don't think I would get punished and have people laugh at me too hard, you know? Yeah, you got a good point. Uh, this, this game is more uh, gratifying than working. That's true. Putting hours into this game, I feel like I'm getting more out of life than I do at my job. Yeah. So that's interesting. <laughs> Before we get into the... Yeah. The game talk, the big old game bloat. Yeah, I want to I throw some quick like uh, news byline. I'm gonna fucking dodge him. Yeah. I know how to do the, the, the. I'm gonna break your structure. <laughs> oh no, don't! I'm gonna defeat you. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> what do we? What do we got on the news docket, so, man? So we didn't write anything. No, but fuck it. This morning, Freeform. some news broke from the Pokemon company. I guess they did a Pokemon Direct. Yeah, I guess so. And huh? They announced the next what generation of uh, Pokemon and. What is it? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet? Imagine that, right? Yeah, Scarlet crazy. and Violet. New games coming out apparently this year, end of the That's year. That's crazy. That is crazy, considering we got Arceus uh, last month. Yeah. And not too long ago, back in November, they did the remakes of Diamond and Pearl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so apparently this game is going to be the next evolution of Pokemon. It might, t- it might I'm going to say this, it might take some cues from Arceus. Yes. Uh, and definitely Sword and Shield for having... They're kind calling a, it an open world game. Yeah. That's what they said on the YouTube. They didn't show us how open it was. They just showed a bunch of fucking weird, colorful creatures. And what appears to be kind of a, uh, a like a new um, map slash area that's based off of Spain. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Pokemon names have like names that are vaguely like Spanish, which is kind of cool. It's finally, we're finally there. Yeah. What's the crocodile's name? Like Krokakashu or something? Krokakashu? Krokashio? I don't know. I don't pay attention to these things. I don't either. I don't pay attention. I don't care. (laughs) From coming from a guy that played Pokemon Legends, I'm just like, I don't care. I don't give a shit. Well, for me, it's always like I care about the original 151 and it's like all the new ones. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're cool. Sure. They're the only ones that matter. It's true. Try to tell people all the time. They go, what about Gen 2? And I'm just like, that's some bitch shit. Yeah. Are you sure you want to be well-versed in bitch shit? What about Grookey? Grookey's so cool. And I'm like, Grookey's dumb. Grookey? I would drown a Grookey. (laughs) Drown it with my hands and a smile on my face. God. Do it in the kitchen sink. (laughs) I'm right in the kitchen sink. And then then I would dry him off and cook him. (laughs) That's the game I've been waiting for, Daniel. Welcome to a podcast with podcasts. Kevin wants to eat Pokemon. (laughs) Fuck the forecast. (laughs) The forecast is back, baby. So, you and I are not, like, kind of hardcore Pokemon fans by any means. We'll, what makes you say that? We'll try the games out, but, like, well, what's your... What's, what's your, my beat on this? Yeah, what's your temperature on this one? Well, I'm going to start with the alligator. <laughs> God damn it. I'm definitely picking up Scarlet, bro. Yeah. Because it's red. Um, yo, if, if they take cues from what I enjoyed from Arceus, especially, because Arceus is the first game in a while... That I felt like, oh wow, Pokemon isn't exactly the same thing from 1996. Yeah. Then I'm far more interested in this game. Um, if you're going to have the production value of a mainline Pokemon, because I feel like Arceus really kind of lagged behind on visuals and a few other quality of life yeah. things. If you give me that, but with some of the cool stuff like, hey, the Pokemon are in the open world. There's no random time encounters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or what, what? Random encounters? Random encounters, yeah. And I can I can have the same systems where I'm catching Pokemon like crazy, but still like earning and leveling up my Pokemon by doing that act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring that in. If you, here's the thing: if 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 the if Game Freak slash the Pokemon Company releases a mainline sequel that doesn't take cues from the mm-hmm. last game that people were actually excited about, yeah. you're fucking dumb. Well, it's 
it's tough because it's like a different studio, right? Like, I think there are three different, like, kind of production sub- houses. Yeah, production houses that make these Pokemon games that, like, you know, I think whoever did uh, Brilliant Diamond Diamond and Shimmering Pussy Pearl and then fucking <laughs> whoever did Sword and Shield and then Arceus, those are all kind of different sub-studios. So I feel like they obviously have to be kind of working in tandem. And it's like, yeah. you please take notes from what Arceus did because, like, please. that open world formula is really fresh and cool. Granted, it's not like... There's nothing crazy innovative there in terms of like open world games as a whole, but it and really you can did... argue it's not really an open world game. It's more monster yeah, huntery, exactly. Than but it did inject something new into the franchise. It did. That's and what like, we're saying. To go back to that like old hat way of like living in Pokemon, where it's like, yeah, you're gonna have your hub town, you'll go out, random encounters, do gym fights. It's like, uh, it's tired at this point. Yeah, if you remember, twenty six years, it's tired. They were talking about how Pokemon Sword and Shield were like, oh, well, these are the most open ones yet, even trying to sell it as open world. Yeah. But it's actually just like a safari zone. Yeah. And then you're back to like just the same old shit as always. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Actually make an open world game that has cities. And li- listen, they said that it's a blending in between like – it's seamless between going from the city to mm-hmm. the wilderness. And I'm like, okay, you're on the right track. <laughs> don't don't drop the ball on this. Make mm-hmm. this happen. Make this happen for me, okay? They're also doing a thing with it where it's supposed to integrate with, like, Pokemon Home. What? What's a Pokemon Home? I don't know. It's this thing where it's, like, all your Pokemon can kind of just live there. I don't know. No. There's so many, like, weird, my, like... We have a cat. <laughs> You got a good point. But we don't have that green cat, that, that green cat starter. Oh. I don't know what its name is, but. <laughs> is is the sink fill? <laughs> God damn it. I'll get him too. You're, you're, you're going to you're, you're involve two of those dead cats. What did it involve into a dead cat? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, everyone. He's excited. He can't wait to get his hands can't on wait, those starters. Dude. Here we go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> uh, another thing that happened that I think this was like this time last week as well. Uh, Capcom was teasing a thing in what felt like a Resident Evil font. We thought. For, for days, they were doing a countdown. They were getting our palate and, and mouth salivating for, ooh, what, maybe Village DLC? No. No, it's Street Fighter Six. Street Fighter Six with the lamest duck logo ever. Oh my god! It looked like a. So apparently, people were looking up a Adobe and seeing that it's like one of the stock logos. Yeah. That with some modifications. I was like, "What's well, sad?" Yeah. I could tell they were trying to go for like a streamline. Like this looks like Evo fighting tournament tournament shit. Yeah. yeah. It, it looks terrible. It looks awful. You need to fix that. That's well, the first thing. What about the character design? What about seeing fucking Ryu looking all beefcakey and, and bearded like Chris Redfield? Yeah, so we brought back Hot Ryu from yeah. Part 5 with the beard and whatnot. That was a pre-order bonus, right? That skin? I think so, yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, I'd pay for it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. They So they didn't show anything of the game no. itself. They just showed this like ana, animatic is that right? This is like a cinematic that's animated. An animatic? Animatic. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. <laughs> and it was this. It was so it was Ryu and some other fucking guy that mm-hmm. I didn't. I think his name's Jack or something. Could be. The art style looked a little weird. I don't know. You're you're leaning a little too too dangerously close to Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, in mm. my opinion. Yeah, and even with um, Street Fighter Five, I wasn't too hot on like those character designs either. Yeah, me neither. Me neither on that one. So we'll see. I'm waiting for a gameplay review. Apparently it won't happen until like three months from now. But uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. I'm I'm, I'm out. I'm out with Street yeah, Fighter. I'm same. not there. Part 5 fucking burned me. I really enjoyed 4. 
I liked five for two and a half seconds before I realized it was an incomplete game. And I never went back to it after they like, it took them like five years to make that like a good game. Yeah. It took them forever it to had, put content into that game. It had such a weird launch too. Cause it was like what a PlayStation exclusive and PC. Yeah. Yeah. And then like yeah. they brought Xbox in and eventually there was cross play support too, which was pretty cool for it. But like, yeah, I agree. Like the story felt really incomplete. Like each character had like a, 10 minute story sequence that you played through and it's like oh that's your story mode okay because it felt like kind of like what smash brothers was doing where it's like pick a character play through and you'll get their story and it was delivered in just like weird like you know still cut scenes i don't know they apparently fixed that they added they added to that like down the road as like patches and dlc and whatnot yeah they had a roadmap where it's like they brought a lot of characters to the game and stuff yeah so, so it, it, t- it took a while for the fgc to turn around and like fall in love with that game so i i, I want to see what like what is six what is six gonna do is six gonna bring us back to because let me let me take you back in time dog yeah there was it. a time that i was a little more into fighting games than i am now which is like not at all unless a mortal Kombat comes out yeah basically but back in the day i would actually watch like the tournaments i would watch evo oh. i would watch ceo and whatnot because it's cool it's 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 great watching players like such a high level of play high level of play yeah. being very technical be being able to like just you know match each other beat for beat it it was super cool and it was i was always jealous because i was like oh, i want to play that way you know um sifu makes me feel like that mm. that's what's cool about sifu sifu finally makes me feel like an, a fighting game player <laughs> i want to see somebody like come up with a way to play that with like a fucking uh like a gamepad fight six situation to make it feel like a fighter or like a guitar hero controller oh yeah yeah that's the real test because people do that with dark souls or a ddr pad or uh, an IED. Or okay, <laughs> I'm gonna stop there because <laughs> nothing I could say after that is gonna be good. So you got me there. <laughs> I beat all of Elden Ring with an IED. <laughs> or one of those. Um, oh, what do they call it? Like a the, yeah. the vibes. They're like remote vibrators that like you can put the vibes. Really? Yeah. But like your partner chooses when it's time to like feel the vibes. To do a finisher. I fucking love it. Street Fighter Six. It's Give me Sec Sec Sekura. Not Sex. Uh Sakura. Oh yeah. Miss her. She's cute. She's great. She's cute. So the cool thing about this is this would be what the first Street Fighter to be developed in the RE engine. So, oh yes that could be cool that could be cool could be interesting very versatile engine mm-hmm. i feel like the re engine has been such a boon for capcom it's changed their entire production workflow mm-hmm. like every game they do is made on re engine you can make a game like village and monster hunter rise on the same fucking engine it's nuts yeah those games feel like completely different like productions yeah. all together so that's that's crazy to this, see this engine must be just a beast did we get devil may cry 5 in that engine we did well? yeah damn. yeah part five yeah this engine is fucking crazy i'm wondering if we're gonna see the thing where maybe they start to kind of like license it to other studios potentially potentially i mean it so the thing about uh, game engines is that um some of them are easy to pick up and play. I think Unreal is very mm-hmm. ubiquitous because yeah. it's easy to get into and understand. There's Same with Unity. And the, well, the other thing is that um, well, what's the company called again that owns Fortnite? Is it Unreal? What Epic. Epic. Yeah. Epic. Um, basically, they treat it as a product, and they have people that can help you, and they have support and all that stuff. 
Something like RE Engine, it might be where people that work at the company very much understand it intimately. And mm-hmm. yeah, it might be easy to work with, but it might be very hard to teach or license out because mm-hmm. there's there's like a learning curve to how to use it. So that may be one reason. Mm-hmm. Or they're just like, well, fuck it. We don't want to give our competitors <laughs> what RE yeah. Engine. No, that's fair. There's that too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah, but interesting. Now, if only we can get a Dino Crisis on the RE engine. Fucking Capcom. Bring back Dino Crisis. Fucking Capcom. You know what I'm saying? The last thing here what do we got? I want to give you, this is the the big final number three before we get into our fucking game talk, is we got a Bloomberg report this week from Jason Schreier. The the Mothman of news? <laughs> the Mothman. He broke some What news. got canceled? Well, I... Not what is delayed so much as yeah as a, is a delay. So this is from Bloomberg, uh, Activision to delay next year's planned Call of Duty, which is kind of nuts. Um, I'm gonna read kind of the first like two paragraphs here. Activision Blizzard Inc. will delay a Call of Duty game that had been planned for next year, the first time the the franchise will be without an annual mainline release in nearly two decades, according to people familiar with the plan. The company is pushing off the release after a recent entry in the series failed to meet expectations, leading some executives to believe that they're introducing new visions too rapidly, said the people who asked not to be identified because they weren't authorized (laughs) to discuss the deliberations. Can you be described? (laughs) (laughs) The decision was not related to Activision's agreement to sell itself to Microsoft Corp. for $69 billion, the people said. Activision is working on other projects to fill the gap next year. A Call of Duty game set to come out this fall will receive a steady stream of additional content, and there will be a new free-to-play online title next year, said the people. <laughs> the people. <laughs> Treyarch, the Activision-owned studio working on the now-delayed game, will also help with the free-to-play title, the people said. I guess this is a quote. We have an exciting slate of premium and free-to-play Call of Duty experiences this year, next year, and beyond. A spokesperson for Activision wrote in an emailed statement, we look forward to sharing more details when the time is right. This is crazy because Call of Duty has been an annual franchise since, what, 2005? Mm-hmm. Like, fuck. So, apparently it sold less than the previous entry, which was Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Mm-hmm. I will beat that campaign one day. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Vanguard is the one. That... Van- Vanguard is the one that came out last year yeah. in November. Sold less to, uh, than the previous one. Uh, I'm getting this from dotesports.com. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what apparently uh, Activision Blizzard released its financial result for the final quarter of 2021. And uh, yeah, did not do year over year in comparison. <clears throat> but apparently Warzone is? is down in engagement too. It's a good question. I'm not sure that I have a pulse on these communities to understand, but I think it's a year where both Battlefield 2042 and Halo Infinite came out. Mm -hmm. I think what it comes down to is oversaturation. You have, like, a representation from each of the big shooter franchises in one year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people are going to make their choice, and Halo Infinite is the one that kind of, like, it... was a critical darling at least at first blush and then people started complaining and yeah. blah, 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 i feel like it's a lot of people have fallen off they've fallen off of it yeah. and then battlefield 2042 was a complete fucking disaster but even with the, both of these games failing they still came out at the same time and people had to vote their dollar so i think vanguard suffered from that and people are tired of the franchise I think the other thing is that Activision is cannibalizing themselves by having a product that yeah. is free called Warzone mm-hmm. and trying to still get away with the here's the $60 campaign new multiplayer thing. Mm-hmm. People are going to look at that and go, well, I'm getting plenty of value and fun from this free product you have over here. Mm-hmm. 
Why do I need to buy your new thing? And I don't think in 2021, Activision Blizzard had a good counter-argument to that question. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It probably doesn't help either that Activision Blizzard didn't have a good year publicly in 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people were just vehemently saying, I'm not going to play these games because of what was going on with the It lawsuits. didn't help, but I don't think yeah. it would be enough to change the financial results for this this franchise or that company. Yeah. Very honestly, usually bad press does not hurt video game sales. Mm. It doesn't hurt Call of Duty selling very well. You don't have a bunch of fucking Call of Duty fans that are suddenly, like, mindful. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, with how commercial and, like, world-renowned Call of Duty is, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but, like, this is played everywhere in the fucking, the the planet, right? Like, Mm -hmm. people love Call of Duty, and the sort of gamers that play it might not be tapped in or care enough uh, about, like, current events and what's going on to be like, I'm going to... You know, vote with my dollars and put a hard earn, put a hard stance and say, no, I'm not playing. You know, Call of Duty until Bobby Kotick gets out. People like you and me, you know, we did our kind of like things that made us feel better. You know, we didn't play Diablo 2 Resurrected even though we wanted. We stopped playing Overwatch, but you know, I think you even still got Call of Duty. So I still bought Vanguard. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. So there you go. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's like, well, oh, that's, it's, we're finally seeing their sales get hurt because Mm -hmm. of all this bad press. No, there's a bunch of people that don't know anything about what's going on with Activision Blizzard at Mm -hmm. all. They don't care because when it comes to entertainment media, there's a bunch of people that say to themselves, I don't care how the sausage is made. Yeah. And that is the majority of people (laughs) that buy video games, especially Call of Duty. So for Call of Duty Vanguard, I think we're always going to get to a point where there was going to be the one that just did not do well, right? In comparison, Call of Duty Vanguard by itself sold massively well in isolation, but Mm -hmm. in comparison to the other games in its uh, franchise, no, not at all. So I'm glad that they're taking a break at least. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm glad because it sounds like that's a rough production cycle. Even if you have different developers working on this on their weird three-year cycles, like mm-hmm. Treyarch, Infinity Ward, and the other one, Sledgehammer. Raven, too. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not a primary studio, though. Mm. They're definitely a support studio. Okay. So when, you, when you're when you going from the primaries, that's still rough. That's still going to end up in crunch. That's still going to end up in just a hard expectation to make, which is to have a hit every single year and apparently the word is daniel that activision blizzard was keen to sell because they knew that they couldn't sustain this annual release cycle i mean we talk about it all the time that like triple a games are often not sustainable with the production development and like release pipelines like it just it's too much like it's impossible to do without crunching um and yeah they put out annual blockbusters every year i'm trying to see what the sales for vanguard were but i cannot find it but the thing is like even with it not selling as well as it like the previous ones it's like call of duty still is a fucking like multi-million dollar seller like every year so it's like I don't know. It's they probably were still in the top ten games that year, but I could definitely see like where it probably didn't perform as well as like Black Ops, you know, or Cold War, whatever it was. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I I think it's a good idea to step away from it because like like we were seeing with Assassin's Creed, 
franchise fatigue is a real thing, right? Like, Call of Duty's come out every year, and, like, I felt hard-pressed to care about it, because I'm like, what's the difference? Oh, it's set in space this time? Oh, now it's set in the fucking Cold War? Oh, now it's set in World War II? And it's like, same game, different skin, right? I don't know. And the multiplayer was always a staple, where it's like, you can always guarantee that that's going to be good, but it just wasn't enough to keep me buying it every year. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But if somebody was like, hey, man, would you, uh... If you had to invest into a company that's going to have like this really like original product mm -hmm. that comes out just against the grain, you know, just like different, none, none of that annual bullshit, none of that microtransaction shit, just a fucking honest to God, creative driven fucking product or invest your money in the next FIFA. I'd be like, I'm going to invest my money in FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck these fuckers over here. Yeah. Those, <laughs> those annual sports games for sure sell. So Yeah. <laughs> No, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, the, the franchise needs a needs a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard for to maintain excitement for people like me, mm -hmm. which is I like Call of Duty. I enjoy the gameplay. I've always liked the mechanics of the gameplay, and some of the campaigns actually fucking land. In fact, I thought Vanguard had a pretty decent campaign. Yeah, I, I beat it. And I was like, yo, they're doing stuff. I like this. It's written well. Some really great writers on that one, too. Like, that really brought some of the characters, like, what, Paulina, into, like, a very, like, kind of three-dimensional sense, which is, like, you don't often really get Paulina? that. Paulina? That was, like, the main character, one of the main characters in, like, the stories of the Vanguard. Oh, okay. I thought you said the writer was Paulina. And no. Was, like, the, oh, well, the no. The writer is, like... known as Paulina. <laughs> well, I, so the writer is, like, you know, Belinda Garcia, uh, Alexia Ray. Mm. Um, I think, was that Sam Maggs on that one, too? I don't know. No. I don't care who makes games mm. or their rights. You only just care about Miyazaki. <laughs> I only care about Miyazaki <laughs> and Hideo Kojima. Yeah. I've told you over and over. Oh, that's again. fair. I don't care. I don't care to hear that there's other people we have, that make video games. We have this thing like when you walk into our apartment, like yeah. we have our coat rack on the right, and then above it, in kind of like really like dominant lettering, we actually mm. got it like etched onto the wall. It says "No Gods." No men, only Kojima. Only Kojima. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone else, jokers. Get yeah. out of here. Get out of here. You want renown? How about you try having the right noun, which is Hideo Kojima. <laughs> That's the proper noun. That is the right noun. I want to talk to you about a different proper noun. Yeah. Get into our play segment here. I want to talk about Horizon Forbidden West, mm. the sequel to 2017's Horizon Zero Dawn yes, uh, by Guerrilla Games. You played a lot of this game. You played a lot of this game. What, probably like 30-something hours 30 into plus, it? 30-plus, probably. Yeah, and I'm about like 16, 15, 16 mm -hmm. hours into it. Some weak numbers. It's almost like you have like a relationship or something, <laughs> or something to look forward well, to that isn't on a screen. No, I was trying to do the Sifu plat. Like, had I not spent maybe like two hours a night trying to do the same fucking mm. boss fight over and over again, I could have put those hours into Horizon, and yeah. I'd be at 20-something hours, you know? But, so, I thought i was gonna be like really like hot up on this game i'm i'm a bit like kind of more lukewarm on it because like i think it does some mechanical improvements that do feel good but i think there's some bits of the actual like narrative and story that i'm i'm are really lost on me so the first game right the story of like aloy discovering who she was and us as the players discovering like what is going on in the world was kind of like a fascinating like onion to like you know figure out like what was zero dawn we know we're in a place that feels familiar but like where is it and then the discovery that like oh shit we're in like colorado and like utah and like that was a cool thing to like kind of get revealed to us this game, it's like, all right, well... The only cool thing about Utah. Yeah. This game is like, well, The Used came out of Utah, too. So Like I good. said. 
<laughs> but like there was such an interesting like kind of like oh we're learning this world you know with Aloy kind of simultaneously and it was fascinating but this game's like well we already did that so now we have to have like a sequel that like moves the plot forward and it does some really like high sci-fi shit that like i don't always vibe with um granted like i'm having fun in the world right like you're never gonna tell me that like hunting you know robot dinosaurs isn't fun right sure you know there's a lot of variety of new ones and new weapons and scenarios and like that that's great like I'm, i'm having a blast with it but i think um the the first title like just stands so much stronger for me and maybe it gets better over time like when the story unravels but i don't know i i i'm not vibing on the story as much as i thought i would nor aloy actually i'm not like enjoying her character this time around we got a lot of we got a lot of complaints here yeah uh, I, I hope uh, i hope uh, herman holst here's no, some herman. of these huh yeah you know that's that's his studio he came from gorilla i know you remember that he gave us that good good and they're like oh yeah you should be in charge yeah i i will say like it is a gorgeous game right like fuck dude like this it's it's been a while since like i feel like we've gotten an, a next gen ps5 game like i feel like ratchet and clank was maybe the last one where i'm like oh yeah this is like really using like you know the ssd and everything that the the ps5 can house and do but like it, it is an undeniably beautiful game right sure. like seeing some of the, the weather effects and you know just kind of rolling up and like looking out over a vista seeing like just like such dynamic things happening with like the the robots out in the distance and like the character models and all of it like i feel like i'm looking at like real characters like in the way that they emote half the time and it's like it's really impressive but like i feel like a lot of that is gonna be my biggest takeaway that like wow this is a really gorgeous game but like i don't know that like the rest of it is resonating with me as much as i i would like it to but how do you how do you feel about it like do you think that like obviously it's you know it picks up and moves like six months later like what happened in zero dawn and like continues the story but is, is the story and like some of the character stuff like landing with you or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, good questions good points you raised i think uh, overall daniel she's fun to fuck but i'm not in love with her that's the truth of it and some nights i'd rather sleep alone wow Absolutely. That's a definitive statement. That's a definitive statement. Do you want to unpack that one for me? Yeah, I can unpack this one. (laughs) I agree. I think um, part one is more straightforward. Yeah. I think what I really was keen on in that game is that we as the audience knew as much as Aloy. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what Zero Dawn was. We didn't know why there's robot dinosaurs out there. And learning that was part of the fun of that game's story. Mm -hmm. And it actually had some really cool emotional cues Mm -hmm. that had to do with her her, uh, mother and stuff like that, right? Part two is like walking into the third Dune book about four chapters in and i'm confused <laughs> yeah. i don't know what you're talking about most of the time it's been since 2017 since i i beat motherfucking horizon and i didn't go back to replay it so i'm just like what are you talking about well, the game had like kind of a recap <laughs> where it's like it was voiced over by i don't know if it was it silence. wasn't a good recap because i'm still confused i'm like who are these people yeah. <laughs> who are these fucking people that you think are so important and none of them are <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, I think the game is fun. Mm-hmm. I I think uh, the combat is a highlight. I think the graphics are just Stunning. amazing. That was the one thing that I was thinking going to Elden Ring, where I was just like, 
Horizon embarrasses Elden Ring when it comes to visuals. Yeah. Left and right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Art direction is a different thing than just like pure mm-hmm. like visual intensity. Elden Ring has great art direction. This game is fucking graphically impressive. Yeah. To, and to a degree that no other game this year has hit me in the same way. Everything has like a physics to it. Like yeah. there's there's a point where like I was like kind of stealth crouching through like a, a plane of like tall grass and just seeing the wind kind of like skirt through and like kind of make it sway i was like this is like crazy this is like nothing i've seen since like ghost of tsushima mm-hmm. just with like some of the uh, the 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 way everything feels so real and reactive yeah the problem with the game though is it's kind of like when um <clears throat> it's like the game of the year edition of of games you know what the problem with those games are is mm-hmm. you take the beautiful cover art of the game and you slap all these stupid fucking awards and stupid fucking sayings and reviews yeah. from game informer as if we care about what they have to say about games anymore <laughs> and just all this bullshit that covers the art yeah the game is the same way you have a beautiful open world it is littered with question marks and hud bullshit sure. and little things to grab it's just information fucking overload mm-hmm. right where it's just and then you realize that like oh this is a checklist game on crack yeah this is a checklist game that thinks that five feet circumference around you should have 15 things to grab and i'm just like you need to fucking chill out that's why it's been a godsend to go to elden ring that says that hey there's something in the distance there's no marker on it Mm -hmm. there's no other signifier other than it looks interesting and different than what you're in front of right now this game won't even let you enjoy that feeling (laughs) of like freedom it, it goes like, no, 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 There's 15 question marks. That's how you know it's important. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, stop. Do you think the game was like doomed to do that? Because it's like, well, how do you follow up a, a sequel of what was an open world game? Make it bigger. Give it yep. more quests. Get like, pump it with content. Mm-hmm. And that- it's like, I don't know that that was the right answer, but. And that's the problem with this game. It's such an obvious sequel. Yeah. To part one, which is, yeah, well, we kind of told a pretty, you know, like start to end story in the first one that has some expansion opportunity how do we expand let's go to orson scott card's rest of his books <laughs> <laughs> and fucking we have alien people that were living on sirius they have they have the dune armor yeah, you they've got their men. own shit we got future men we got fucking 18 different tribes that all hate each other for different reasons yeah. that you got to keep track of apparently they're okay with Anora walking through and helping each and every one of them doesn't matter because we all have one ally we all have one aligned enemy which is rebels mm-hmm. rebels are bad guys <laughs> <laughs> just like it's so stupid i'm just like how come nobody calls me out for like literally helping out the tanakh versus like you know right. not the otaru and stuff i'm just like wait wait, wait a second wait a second <laughs> there's too many people to keep track of <laughs> none of these characters matter and here's the worst goddamn this thing this game does it thinks it's mass effect mm-hmm. you walk up to a character they tell you everything important that you need oh, to know God. and then you see six different options to ask them questions and every single route leads to fucking 15 minutes of nonsense that doesn't help me understand the world any better and i don't give a shit (laughs) it's so fucking boring yeah there's a this game feels like the most rpg open world game that sony has in its catalog because it's doing rpg systems a lot of dialogue trees a lot of like just fill out your map do everything it wants to be the witcher it is yeah, so obvious that this analog. game wants to be The Witcher, and it doesn't need to be The Witcher, and that's not the sequel to Horizon I wanted. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. 
Like, it's still fun. It's still great. I think it's still interesting. I'm going to go back to it. But it was so fucking easy to drop this game in favor of Elden Ring Mm -hmm. that it's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's how people felt about the first game in comparison to Breath of the Wild. I didn't. I didn't like Breath of the Wild very much. But maybe I was in a different place, right? I was still conditioned by checklist Mm -hmm. open world games, right? And this game came out, Horizon Zero Dawn, and just... Scratch that itch in the right way. Mm-hmm. This game's coming out at the worst possible time, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> to be compared to something that actually feels really interesting and innovative and, mm-hmm. and encourages exploration. This game doesn't feel like it encourages exploration. It feels like it encourages me to finish the checklist. Yeah, that's a tough thing because, like, there are things that I'm very, like, <clears throat> curious that pull my my eyes uh, to, like, you know, seeing seeing a tall neck, like, in the distance or seeing, like, a fucking, like structure or ruin from like the the fallout of like the the war right that like you were a part of like it's it's cool to see that visual storytelling and it definitely makes me want to go explore but like it's overwhelming because i'm immediately pulled to the next like question mark or the next Mm -hmm. thing i'm like oh but i gotta do that but i gotta do that and it's like i gotta do this no but i I just kind of want this person i kind of just want to take in this moment right because like the moments in between are so special right like the first time you go to a tall neck and figuring out like that their approach for them in this game is way different than the, the first game right like they're more puzzles they're more like in kind of ingrained in the environment in different ways it causes you to think about it a little differently and i'm like that's really cool and, and special but then like i come off of it i'm like all right what's my next to do thing right mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. uh it, it gives me a lot of executive dysfunction um that causes me to kind of like pop in and out of like the golden path and just not like i have sessions where i'm like i'm not really sure like what i want to be doing but that's always an open world game problem for for sure <laughs> i think this game just exacerbates that problem by just having way too much to do in certain areas rather than let you breathe and be in the environment and say hey go fight some dinosaurs and yeah. earn and do some things you know but that that, that said i, yeah. I i'm coming off very 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 cynical down on this game I actually oh. i like this game yeah i, do I like too. it a lot i don't love it though but I, I like it. I like I like its again its visuals. Its combat are really good. It's got some innovations here and there. I, I should say additions, not innovations, because they're not innovating shit when it comes to a hang glider. <laughs> but the hang glider is really fun. Yeah, it's cool to be able to j- just jump off the peak of a cliff and just glide all the way down to a yep. new area. It all seamlessly like is, there's no loading. It's just there. The yeah. game's impressive. Yeah, in that lo- way, right? The load times are fucking so snappy and fast. And I, I would say, like, yeah, the, the, the glider and the pole caster in terms of being able to, like, kind of uh, grapple hook your way to certain points, like, mm-hmm. those are kind of the two of the improvements where I'm like, yes, this makes the exploration feel a bit easier on on me granted there's still things that hold it back a little bit i don't think the pole caster is perfect um and i also like yeah the the stamina of it all kind of sucks but (laughs) yeah the pole caster is weird there's there's some goofy implementation with um some of the controls where like the pole caster it wants you to aim first then press triangle and then hold r2 to pull on a thing Mm -hmm. and i'm like there seems like there could have been an easier answer to like what you're doing like you're have we truly run out of ways to put things on a controller (laughs) yeah it feels very uh cumbersome mechanically where it's like what i have to like i think hold r1 then press triangle and i take it out to maybe use it and then like i use it but then I, it goes back to my primary weapon. It's like, no, right. keep the pull caster out while I'm trying to do this thing. It's really weird. Yeah, and there's other things, too, where it's like, 
I, I, I overall like the skill upgrades. It's very Far Cry where it's like, hey, you're gonna get some you're gonna get some additions to the game where you're gonna do more damage from your like staff or something, mm-hmm. or um, when you try to tame a wild beast, they're gonna stay tamed longer. Mm-hmm. It's like simple stuff like that. I think what it comes down to just like the overwhelming amount of lootables in the game, like mm-hmm. when everything is coming at you, it just stops mattering Mm. it's like oh this is a blue rarity but it's worse than my green rarity arrow Mm. that i've already upgraded sure that's weird so i don't care about this and so i find myself like less prone to experiment because the game just doesn't do a good job of telegraphing when what is when a weapon's a part of a certain set of weapons versus when it's also more powerful like Mm. i'm like it just doesn't feel like there's a good delineation there right you have like some things that are like the high ally throw some random electricity at enemies mm-hmm. versus here is an just upgraded bow, but it's more targeted. That's why it has mm-hmm. less ammo. It just doesn't do a good job of going like, here is the classification for each. Mm-hmm. And this is why you should use one or the other. Cause it throws all of these things at you at once, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, uh, what's better? What? <laughs> I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm out of here. You yeah. know, I'm just going to use what I started the game with. And then you end up running into situations where I'm like, I think I'm just way too weak for this right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like level fucking 30, but like this thing is tearing me apart because I'm only doing chip damage whenever I shoot it. Mm-hmm. Where do I go to upgrade? There's mm-hmm. blacksmiths and such, but like, um, they only give me a little bit. I don't know. It, it's it's yeah. it's not well done. And there are things like crafting benches too, where you can like upgrade all your weapons and stuff like that. Which is, I don't think the first game had that. I think it was a little. No, different. I don't think so. Um, there was upgrades to your weapons, but yeah. you had to hunt like certain things to get the right stuff. And the, there's mm-hmm. a degree of that in this game too, where um, when you need to upgrade, like let's say your bow and you don't have the right equipment, you can say, turn it into a job, and mm-hmm. it'll mark which like beast in the open yes. world to go after. And I think that's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. You, you've given me a mission out of improving myself, rather than it just being like a passive thing in the game, which yeah. is nice. I just, um, yeah, it, it's just a very overwhelming game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very over-dense, overcrowded open world game that doesn't know how to let you breathe. And it, like comparing this to Elden Ring, I'm just like, this is Elden Ring knows how to let you breathe mm-hmm. because it's very open. In fact, mm-hmm. um, that's what that's what actually because it's so open. That's what makes things that show up in the environment, like different churches or groups of enemies, more interesting to go after. Sure. Versus this game is there's like 14 million fucking dinosaurs over here. There's 14 million trees, and I yeah. have to go fucking berry collecting because the health system is stupid. I don't think I want to compare it to Elden Ring because it's like that. We're going to get so many comparisons back and forth to it. I think I, I would probably more want to compare it to, like, Ghost of Tsushima. No, I, I, I get that. I'm saying, though, as far as an experience that's, like, enveloping me right Sure, now, yeah. I'm no, just like, I the contrast you. between these two games is so fucking stark mm-hmm. that I'm just like, oh, my God. I feel like I'm being deprogrammed playing Elden Ring. Yeah. The, the reason I say <laughs> I would compare it more to, to Ghost of Tsushima just as a comparison and contrast is, like, I feel like that game... It was simple in its execution, and it video gamified a lot of its like open world elements, which made the ease of play feel better for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like picking up things in the environment, right? Like to pick up like I don't know berries or wood. Like there's an animation where I have to hold triangle. A like crouches. You know, you have to wait for the triangle to fill up. You grab it. Whereas in Ghost of Tsushima, it's like Jin Sakai. You just go buy something. I think press R one, and it's just immediately in your Don't inventory. Worry. And it's just the Even ease of play. Ring does that, by the yeah, way. The ease of play feels so much quicker and nicer. And that game just felt leaner in terms of its approach, right? Like, yeah, it was. 
a checklist game. Yeah, it did have side quests and bandit camps and stuff, but it just felt like a lean machine. And like this, it, I don't know, this game felt like it was inevitably going to just be Horizon Zero Dawn times two. Like they were just right. going to expand it and and uh, do as much as they could with it. And I think to some of it, it is a detriment to some of it. it you know, it, it definitely expands uh, the experience. I know a lot of people are really enjoying the game. Uh, people even say they're preferring it to the first. Like, you know, mechanics feel different. The open world feels better. It feels more alive. Like, <gasps> yeah, listen that. I'll give you that. Know? It's definitely more alive. I, and I think, like, some of the mechanics, like, I, I do like, I, I don't know, um, in terms of, like, them being an improvement, I don't know that, like, things like climbing are necessarily, like, a thousand percent better. It feels just about the same for me. I think it's way worse. Yeah. I think the platforming is actually pretty garbagey at most times in this game. Yeah. It doesn't work half the time. Me and Chelsea were talking about it, where it's like, sh- like you're trying to scale a cliff, and sometimes you'll press up on the stick, and, it, like, it doesn't register. Mm-hmm. Like, Lloyd does not move until you let go, and then, like, up on the stick again. And I'm just like, what's going on here? Why mm-hmm. Why is it, like, it feels wrong. <laughs> it yeah. feels off. There's so many other games with, like, platforming, like Tomb Raider and Charter, that feel better to me. Yes. This oh game just does not do well. <laughs> Which I was confused by because I was like, there's a lot of fucking platforming in this game. Why does it feel like imprecise and just doing simple things like jumping from one platform to another feel like, yeah, I've got like a (laughs) 50-50 shot on this one. (laughs) It's so weird. What what I do kind of like that the the glider gives kind of – it makes it feel – more enjoyable is like in the first game you had to climb your way back down things using the same yeah. kind of like colored markers. This is like I don't want to do that now. I'm just going to jump off a cliff and glide down. Yeah, way like, way fuck. way better. Which is it's more thrilling cuz it's like, oh shit, well, you can do the Breath of the Wild yeah. thing where it's like, oh, I haven't been to that like ruin over there or there's a crazy dinosaur fight happening. I'm going to glide down to that and see what's going on. So. Yeah, there's a few things that's just like not getting right in this game for me, right? Yeah. But overall, it's good. like it's tough because it's just like overall, you're very good. Yeah. Overall, it's a great game, but I'm just but, like. But when I really put a magnifying glass up to you, I'm just like, oh, this is bad. Ooh, this is unfun. Ooh, yeah. this isn't very interesting. Ooh, this is really boring. And I'm just like, what the fuck's going on? Oh my god. <laughs> I will say, guys, I, I feel really bad because I feel like we're trashing on the game, and it, it is a quality Sony experience. Like, I, I think I'm through. just honestly half and half on the game. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, things that I thought would be improved, like I thought melee combat would be a bit better. No, it's, it's still not. boring. It's still the same it's not thing, good. and it's like they make you engage with it more by doing things like melee pits. And I'm just like, I don't know that this was like. <laughs> I think to, to to I hate the melee pits to make me it's do so boring like melee combat more. You had to give me more than just like heavy spear attacks. Yeah, I don't please, know. God. Or there's a hold spear attack. No, man, you yeah. need to make actual melee for once. That's what you needed to do. Yeah. It, there's things like that man but i don't know i the other night i had a great experience in the game Mm -hmm. you end up going to like what is the nevada region specifically las vegas later in the game spoiler sorry but it ended up being a golden path mission that was one of the cooler parts of the game where you you meet a couple of characters and they're really obsessed with these um these basically holographic lights they they that shoot out like a holographic projection but they they call it like something else because like they're you know they're from the future but they're in tribes now and they don't quite understand technology but they revere it because they think it's really cool Mm -hmm. and so they're a part of like a a troop of stage performers and they're like oh if we get these lights then we'll have the best show in town this (laughs) is amazing and so they're like but the problem is it's inside of the structure which you 
as a gamer understand or a human in the real world understand yeah. that is a casino. Yeah. They don't know that it's a casino. They're just like, there's games of great prize and stuff like that inside, which is great. But the whole thing is flooded. And you go in and figure out why it's flooded. You find out that the guy who, um, his name is Peter Chen. Mm -hmm. He ended up funding this entire region. He found a way to uh, replicate water or make water when water was becoming scarce in mm -hmm. the world because of the high heat. There is a undercurrent in this game that I enjoy about global warming being mm -hmm. the first thing that fucked this up. We had like three apocalypses before yeah. this game starts, which is which is really cool. But and they, they explain it too with uh, mm -hmm. some of the conversations with like Gaia and with, so like to get the context of it, it, it is there. Not that I want to have another forty-five minute conversation <laughs> with Gaia. Another stupid fucking thing. This game just like is overwritten. Yeah, like you can get to the point. Tell me what I need to know without having these huge just self-flagellating conversations with these yeah. characters. It's so dumb. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> let's go back. But yeah, you you end up going into this casino that actually is an underground city. Mm. He he had apparently protected parts of Las Vegas under domes, mm -hmm. and he had his own water supply because he figured out how to make water. Yeah. And it was a nirvana for a while until it all came crashing down. Mm -hmm. And you end up um, draining the city in order to get deeper, deeper into it, and you end up fighting this fucking like water dinosaur thing kind of mm -hmm. like from the like like with the, the the big long neck but it's got like flippers and shit i forget the name like a diplosaurus kind of i love diplo yeah kind of like a <laughs> like a swimming brontosaurus yeah like a swimming brontosaurus and you end up having like fight this motherfucker and it's like a pretty pretty harrowing fight mm -hmm. and then you finally get the 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 reward you're out there looking for another part of uh, Gaia's AI, but they're looking for these fucking magical lights. <laughs> and it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And it ends up being like one of the better story parts, story beats. And I was like, yeah, this is the kind of thing that I miss from part one. Yeah. I need more of this going on in the game. There's, there's way too much like tribe versus tribe shit that's not interesting because everyone's like, I worship the sun. Mm -hmm. You're a brave warrior, warrior. Have you ever warriored, warrior? And I'm just like, shut up. It, it, is, a, it is a lot to keep track of in terms of like who swears allegiance to who like which one is a good tribe versus a bad tribe i had that same problem with the first game yeah where i'm like okay so you have the karja you have the nora the eclipse are kind of like karja but they're bad you know? yeah yeah it's <laughs> so much um i there there is a lot of good in the game though like i think there are some some market improve uh, marketed improvements uh with with the combat and exploration i like how like puzzle solving uh, intensive the game is like in terms of like you know having many like dungeons and like the open world and even some of the bandit camps yeah it's and, like the crypts from tomb raider yeah. which I, I like those those are fun yeah, i like to, figuring that out to find like a data log or find like something like the lights you know that you find kind of like in the open world um and even the tall knocks, like i said like the ornaments the ornaments is the same thing yeah like so you you do this story to figure out how to use them which okay. is really really cool yeah and i like stuff like that like again like the tall necks using them as puzzles in the environment is way more interesting than just being like all right i gotta just climb up its legs like it's yeah like the first game so dynamically different um one thing about the combat that i really like now is um i don't know if you could have done it as cleanly in the first game but like when you uh scan a machine like you can tag it highlight it but then you can tag individual parts to on, break them off which yeah. is cool um in certain missions like have you break off certain parts for like you know uh scavengers for errands or stuff like that because uh, there's like a deluge of like side quests for jobs and errands and whatever but yeah it's like you can highlight certain parts it's like oh i need like the antlers or i need like this kind of back part or i need like the flame canister on it so i think that's really cool that that uh that highlighted uh point of it and then um 
I like the variety of of like machines and robots in this one. Like the the kind of tutorial mission that you started in, where you're kind of like relearning the game, relearning some of Aloy's abilities, that culminates in a fight with like three robot vipers was like one of the coolest moments. I was like, oh, this is really dope, and like I could just tell each like main fight is just gonna get bigger and bigger. Uh, and I like that. And I think that's the strongest suit for for this game. Yeah. Um, the being able to break off of like parts from the robots and see the actual like damage in real time and seeing them fall apart in real time. And it's still one of the best bow and arrow mechanics in video gaming, bar none. I thought mm. I thought that out of the first one. Okay. I think that out of this one, fucking almost perfect in how it's executed. Uh, very Tomb Raidery. Very nice. Uh, yeah, that all works. That's all good. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for the story to grip me. Getting to Aloy, she's boring. She's boring in this one. She's she's not much of a character. I, I I think she had more of an oomph in the first one because she was she was different than others in the Nora clan. Yeah, and you were able to see that kind of juxtaposition where it's like there's something different about this girl. Mm-hmm. She's not like the other Nora, you know that kind of thing. Sure. And then figuring out, oh, that's because she has a fucking destiny mm-hmm. like ahead of her. That's, yeah. That, there, there's bigger stuff going on here. She's very onerous. She's very, the mission is all that counts. And everyone that she talks to, she's like, cool, 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 cool. Shut up. I got a mission. And it's so boring. Or or to the point of like outcasting, like the people around her, like you have interesting characters like Varl or Zoe and and Aaron who like want to be a part of the journey with her. And she's like, no, I got to do this by myself. Yeah. She sidelines everybody. Really headstrong and it's stupid because it's like, well, you don't need to do this by yourself. And it undercuts like what could be more dynamic, like, great group moments and and maybe they get there over time right like you know yeah we we don't know like the the game from what i'm hearing is like 80 hours long and i'm only like 16 hours into it so but like it it's not even to like disparage ashley birch uh ashley birch's performance because like the writing that's bad it's the exactly like she's great it's just i feel like the writing is just making her kind of go in a direction with it that doesn't feel like it services her abilities as a voice actress or, i don't know or makes her interesting as a character yeah yeah, exactly. yeah that's the other thing she's good in the role but like everything she's given to do is basically this this hushed asmr bullshit where she's just like yeah that'll go to my stash you like the whole fucking game is just like the same thing where i'm yeah. just like I can't, I can't hear you over the fucking robot dinosaurs ashley you're gonna have to emote beyond just being stoic yeah <laughs> like that's the problem so yeah, the character just is not landing for me this time around I don't know. Maybe it was different in 2017. I need more. I need someone like uh, Kaine. Tell me, that. hey, you shit-fucking dinosaur bitch cunt. I'm going to cut you in half. Yes, that's a character. (laughs) Like, the determination is a good thing, but it becomes very, like, one note. So boring. Where it's like, oh, she's told now. Okay, well, I'm still going to go do the thing. Cool, great. I understand. You're headstrong. You have to save the world. You have this this world-saving mission on your shoulders because fucking Silence is out there being a prick, you know, doing Silence things. It's kind of the shit that ended up, like, hurting Mass Effect overall. Yeah. Which is it stopped being about exploration and world discovery and more about, like, we're going to die tomorrow. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, like, the urgency of the story just overrided the intrigue of learning about the world Mm -hmm. that's the problem here in part two Mm. where it's like we need to go stop the MacGuffin. yeah (laughs) and it's like yeah 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 it's true it's and it's from like the opening hours of the game too because like immediately like two hours in like you finally hit like the opening credit scene which is amazing by the way really beautiful Mm. great song and then like you're presented with this is the plot of the game this is what you need to do and it's like it, the urgency is just fucking there throughout all of it. And it's like, well, I kind of want to like 
get to know my party a little bit you know i kind of want to get to know this world but it's like you're you're sending me on this fucking urgent mission that says like okay the world's gonna end in four months if we don't do this now yeah (laughs) it it, kind of would have been better if the the game would have been better service if we learned that the world was ending like past act one yeah and then that kind of sets us on our real quest instead of it being the thing that's just like everything is noise in comparison to that urgency and that kind of sucks right that's the worst thing that open world games seem to love doing Mm -hmm. consistently going i don't know that the story is interesting enough what if the moon was falling tomorrow and then it's like well then any all the interactions that you have with normal people don't fucking matter yeah i always think about like uh fallout like where it's like there are these like epoch like events but you're like, oh, what if I go, like, you know, help this ghoul have a heart and fall in love, you know? It's like, I don't know. I don't know where my son is. There's probably a pack of wolves that have already eaten all of his limbs. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as long as this ghoul can find love, I'm good. <laughs> I, I think, you know, there, there is a lot to love here for fans of the original. Like, if, if you yeah. love the first game, you're you're at least going to enjoy this one. Like, I don't think anybody who loved the first game isn't going to come to this one and say, oh, this is a bad game. Because it's not. Like, that. It's that's patently just false. And, like, we might be saying some kind of, like, harsh things on it, but it's just because, like, parts of it just aren't, you know, sitting with us as positively as we hoped they would. But I think it's still, like, a... This is... Uh, you know it's a master class in a lot of uh, things that it's doing but i feel like it's just trying to do too much at the same time yeah um but i will say the forward thrust of going west and slowly like uncovering those parts of america is really cool um and beautiful I'm not, looking game oh it's it's fucking gorgeous beautiful right? to, to see like you know i'm not gonna spoil too many of the locations but like yeah kind of getting into like what the lead up is to like nevada and vegas it's like wow this is awesome um and then you know when we finally get to that final area i'm gonna be like holy shit this is awesome but it doesn't matter the world's gonna end the world's gonna end we gotta go solve this (laughs) yeah don't look at the beach aloy (laughs) you gotta go solve it we're all gonna die have you how many side quests have you done because i feel like that almost all of them that was the thing that i really loved about the first game it's like i feel like the the side quests were written with as much quality and hard as like the main missions yeah i again that's another witcher aspect like witcher side quests are are acclaimed because they're not just like oh i need more leaves for my tea go get them mm-hmm. you know like no they're actual like interaction stuff so they're they're still there i think the problem is they just add too much to every character where everyone uh, has like a fucking eight questions that you can ask them and like all of the answers are boring <laughs> like they're not that, that dynamic or interesting um but yeah the side quests i think are pretty good so far i think mainly running into oh here's a cool one that i ran into right there was a town that got hit by like a hurricane mm-hmm. or or a flood. It got hit by a flood and you have to jump in. And this was a side quest. I was shocked that this was a side quest where people were scattered in different parts where the flood like pushed them onto the cliffs mm-hmm. or they're like stuck in old world construction machinery. And you have to do puzzles around the village to safely evacuate these people hmm. and get them back to their tribe later, which was really cool. Yeah. I was just like, this is really interesting. This is a story... That has nothing to do with the rest of the game, but it's so interesting that I'm learning about these people and and helping them. Like, it's nice to feel that way, that Aloy, for two seconds, stops talking about the end of the fucking world and helps people again. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Because that was always the nice thing about her. She was a very compassionate, caring, yeah. like, maternal figure, almost, in a lot of ways. And it's like, she really wanted to help heal the world. And it's like, she wants to heal the world, but just on a grander scheme. She doesn't want to help individuals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's what's majorly lacking in this yeah. one. I thought that that was a cool thing where she, like, led with her heart. And that's what I thought made her a really interesting character in the first one. This one, she's very like, oh, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, they made her too much of a... 
the, the protagonist from from uh, I'm gonna do a deep cut right now. Mm. What is it called? Pro- Prototype. <laughs> oh, I haven't played that. <laughs> you shouldn't. It's bad. I know the cover because I alphabetized it at GameStop a lot. When there I we there. Yeah, yeah. Know. There's a lot of people that will try to convince you the prototype's really good. They're wrong and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I so to kind of like put a like a final thought in it like I am excited yeah. to go back to this game. It is I am too. unfortunate that it, it kind of landed in a similar window as a game that has my attention a bit more cuz like when I played Horizon Zero Dawn back in 2017, I played it for like 3 days, then Breath of the Wild came out and then a bunch of other games came out and then I dropped it for a year. Like I came back to it like a full year later, Damn. played it for a few weeks and then put it down for another year. It took me 2 years to like beat in platinum horizon just because i was doing it in such like sparse sittings um and i want to be able to do this one like in a bit more intentional manner like i want to come back to it after i'm done with elden ring if i ever get done with elden ring it feels like a forever game um (laughs) but i i would like to give it a fair shake because i i know there's like a lot of like high quality here the the team at gorilla has done some amazing work like the games like this don't exist on other platforms uh, yeah. you know like th- and that's the kind of benefit of it being a first party sony game like you're getting a level of mastery and uh game design that like you know I, in ways maybe feels like cookie cutter because like sony gets safe with doing these sort of games over and over but it is a quality game like through and through it does feel like a very safe sequel to yeah. the original and that's maybe part of it that's just like not landing right but mm-hmm. yeah no i agree i when i when i think about it when i'm at a reasonable stopping point with Elden Ring, because I think that's a forever game <laughs> yeah. in its own way. I don't think that I don't think the mission is a hundred percent by end of the month or anything. That's not going to happen. No. This game's a different beast. We'll get into that. But <laughs> when I do go back to the other games that I started and didn't finish, I'm going to go back to Horizon before I go back to Dying Light Two. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I think Horizon is like there's a lot of quality there. There's a lot of fun to be had with its moment to moment, and I'm still waiting for the story to really land for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface for playing like 30 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even to the Forbidden West West. No, which is a crazy thing. Like, sorry guys, spoilers, but like I thought that was going to be the opening of the game. It's not. I have a feeling it's going to be like the final act, which is yeah. really cool because all the marketing was like based around California, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like the big mammoth fighter, seeing the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's like, shit, not even there, you know? Nope, so. been playing 30 hours. I haven't <laughs> even seen a beach up until very recently. Mm-hmm. So that that that's what like I was like oh wow really yeah. okay so a lot of game there a lot of bang for your buck and I really do agree it's a game that just couldn't be possible on other consoles mm-hmm. just like the amount of like uh, visual love and feedback and the haptic controls feel great on DualSense oh, yeah you were saying like a bow's never felt better in a game and it's yeah. like the the haptic helps elevate that it does it feels like the thing they were marketing the DualSense as is is like oh you you pull a bow and you feel it on the triggers you know it's it's, a, it's really great it's a very good game god i'm gonna say one last <laughs> thing um and then we'll talk about Elden Ring. but there is a level of care to a lot of the character models like looking at some of like the the designs for like the people of color uh like varl like th- there's so much care and detail like to the hair and the expressions i was like wow this is like stunning that more games should take note from really where it's like i feel like they they'll do what they can to make the white characters look as great as possible with lighting and dynamic expressions and then every other character they're like yeah but you're not white so we're not going to give you much love you know what the solve is there hmm. you have people that aren't white design these characters exactly and i'm just like i'm impressed to see like the level of like representation like in Mm. the game like it reminds me of um 
Miles Morales, right? Like seeing like Puerto Rican and black characters represented in a way that we hadn't really seen before. So mm-hmm. it's it's really cool and really special. Very nice. Horizon Forbidden West. A video game. <laughs> a video game. So that's enough of Horizon. Gorilla, we'll, we'll get back to you when we get back to you. Oh. We got to talk about fucking Elden Ring. The Elden Ring? <laughs> we do. The Shattered Elden Ring. Did that come out? That did, man. That's Fantastic. It's all that anybody's been talking about. It's all that I've been thinking about. Yeah. What a fascinating game. I want to get your high-level impressions on it before we dive into some of the nitty-gritty. Oh, man. How how do you feel about this game? <laughs> this this merging of like Dark Souls meets emergent open world, uh, which I, it honestly feels like Dark Souls 4 in a lot of ways, but just expanded in just crazy directions that is refreshing to see in a From Software game. Mm-hmm. How's it landing with you 30 hours How's it later? landing with me? Yeah, I, you're obsessed with this game, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's say yeah 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 i'm i'm pretty there with it yeah. man I'm, I'm hanging with it pretty well i like this game a lot i i love this game so far mm-hmm. it's it's um so rare that the hype matches the product right mm. you know it, it, it's a rare thing people want to make they wanted to make this into this um i don't know what do you call it the 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 great white whale of video games. Yeah, God the Moby damn Dick it. of video games. I've been swallowed by that whale, and i got to tell you, I've been playing around in its insides. It's a strange metaphor. <laughs> that's a weird one, yeah. Strange yeah, metaphor. That's not, not wrong as far as Miyazaki games go, but here's the thing. The first few hours of the game, I was like, yeah, this is Dark Souls, but with like a horse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's Dark Souls 3. Feels exactly like Dark Souls 3. I don't know if I'm seeing it so far. Mm-hmm. Some of it feels like... Yeah, you got these big, wide-open fields, and there might be a guy on a horseback, and maybe I can slash at him. Oh, he killed me. Okay, this, mm. this seems like what I've seen before. Get a few more hours into it. Start unlocking <laughs> some stuff for yourself. You, you start realizing that, oh, wow, that whole jump R2 attack is really, really valid in fights. Yes. <laughs> you start learning things about, man, the the... Enemies have this like invisible shield thing where if I do enough consecutive damage, I can get a stagger on them. That's really fun because in the old, like Dark Souls 3, I only had a few opportunities to do that. Now, I can fucking destroy them on horseback or out of horse. Man, I got into a boss fight on horseback. Mm-hmm. It's It felt like cheating at first. And then I realized when I got whacked off my horse, no, the game expected me to do yeah. that there. So I either get good at it or I can choose to take this on on foot. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. You start going on these little kind of voyages going, what's that on the horizon right there? What is that building? Let me go check it out. Oh, my God. It's a tier that lets me um, use more Estes flasks. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, Jesus. And, like, you start getting invested more and more. And then you start getting into a couple of the boss fights and realizing, damn, this is like a hybrid of like Sekiro and Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. I've never seen boss fights this fluid. In a Souls game specifically, in mm-hmm. Sekiro I have. I've seen it in a few in uh, Bloodborne as mm-hmm. well. But it's here. It looks like Dark Souls, but I'm seeing the bones and mechanics of their best games here as well. Yeah. And then it starts <laughs> clicking and clicking and clicking harder. And I'm at this point in the game where I'm just like, yeah, I could probably like stream this for the next like three months without playing another game and be like a-okay and also have my audience be a-okay with that Mm -hmm. because they're just like well one he's obviously enjoying himself but in two i can walk on walk in on any given streamer and see something completely different yeah or walk into my room and see something something, i'll I'll walk in (laughs) like i've had it with nick i've had it with you i've had it like watching a few other people where i'm just like what is that Mm -hmm. where did you get that who was that boss (laughs) 
where are you? Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's really cool. It's like the thing that didn't work for me in 2017 about Breath of the Wild is what's working for me in Elden Ring right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that I have to make my own fun like it's a sandbox. It's that I can be my own pioneer. I can go to the horizon and figure out what's out there. And the answer is always something interesting, whether it be a horrible fight or... Of which there are many. A magnificent treasure or a new arena or a new something. There's always something to find. There's a new emergent story. And I think it's no matter who you jump in on, you're going to see something interesting that you Mm -hmm. might not have seen before that's really cool. And what's interesting, too, it's like, you know, being really rooted in the Dark Souls formula of play any way you want, right? Like Sekiro, it's like you played as Wolf, one character, skill tree. It kind of pipelined people into playing a certain way. But Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Demon Souls, you have certain builds. You know, I could be a magic user. I could play as a fucking... If you're lame. Yeah. <laughs> you could be a lame magic user. <laughs> I could play as a naked hermit and just go in with brute strength. And mm. just to see, like, people play differently and just approach the world in ways that like i wasn't thinking about whether it is in certain builds using certain weapons or maybe certain like um ashes of war which are like things that you can add on to your uh armaments which are what the weapons are called in this game mm-hmm. that give you dynamic like secondary attacks right it's it's fascinating to see like what everybody is doing simultaneously and it's creating these really cool like water cooler conversations that open world games often do breath of the wild being one where it's like Nobody's going to play it the same, right? (laughs) We, each and every one of us, are cartographers to a world that is uncharted. Yeah. And it's really exciting and rare that we feel like we're all caught up in this moment. That, like, you know... Yeah. One thing about this game being, like, just the most mainstream out of any Souls game, so more people are onboarding as possible, there's people that have not played Souls games that are jumping onto this Mm -hmm. just because it's just... The word of mouth, the the intrigue, the hype around it is sucking him in. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that they're jumping into a game that's not, like, going to go against the grain as far as that hype level goes. Like, there is something here. There is something special. Mm-hmm. There's a sauce here. And it's tasty. And it's hard to describe in sometimes. And it's still evolving for me because I'm, I, I'm just at the tip of the iceberg of this game. Mm-hmm. But It gets bigger and bigger, like, the more you explore. Like, I am shuddering to think how large this game is because it feels like yeah. it's like 80 to 100 hours long and it has <laughs> not lost my intrigue no. in fact it's just getting its claws in me more and more as i discover mm-hmm. like there's so many different enemy designs there's so many different like parts of the world mm-hmm. there's so many little hidden things uh, like i fucking i actually really love it where like i would pass by the same areas over and over and then suddenly be like is that a cave? Yeah. <laughs> and it would be like the starting area. and be like, is that our fucking cave in there? And then you go in. Dude, one of the craziest moments that I've had in this game so far is that it's it's kind of a little bit east to the starting area. Mm-hmm. And there, I, I, I go to this random structure. It looks like a church. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I expect to maybe find like a new item. Yeah. Something to make my flasks better, you know, or whatever. And instead there's an elevator. And I go like, oh, okay. There might be like an underneath to this. I've heard of this. I hit the elevator. <laughs> And the elevator goes down, and then it goes down, and then it goes down, and it keeps going down, and it's going down, 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 down. And I'm not kidding you. It goes down for like almost like two to three straight minutes. Oh my God. And the entire time, I'm seeing this underground city with these great structures, these bridges, and it has its own sky. 
it has its own night sky underneath it. Oh, is that that area? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and wow. I'm like, what is this? And there's rivers everywhere, and then there's really hard enemies. At first, there's these guys, like these weird, like, golemy looking guys with, like, scales on them. And they have these big old spears with a big, like, a glintstone staff on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Or a spear on the end of it. And they do this attack where they thrust at you. And even if you dodge that, they'll still do a slash with their hand as they're, like, retracting their weapon. It's almost like a diversion. Mm-hmm. Like, they're weird. But then you get in more on it. And then there's these fucking World of Warcraft fucking ghosts hanging out at you. These fucking orcs. And they have, like, laser beam fucking arrows that always get you. And it's super dangerous. And then you're tasked with igniting six plinths. And you're like, what does that open up? There's this fucking staircase up there with uh, corresponding six statues you go in and there's this big elk body that's just dead there like an elk thing and you're like, like that's carcass. weird a carcass <laughs> but when you ignite everything and you go and you touch that fucking carcass you end up one of the best boss fights in the fucking game i i watched you play this and it reminded me of the spirit god from princess mononoke this fucking astral elk <laughs> and the music in there is yeah. so like beautiful yeah like it's not like boisterous it's not like big string instruments it's just like dainty little pianos you're fighting this fucking spirit ancestor mm-hmm. and it's one of the cooler fucking fights in the game where you're like the scale of it i'm this little thing this mm-hmm. little tarnished nasty this little, little thing. nasty veronica and here's this gigantic her name is virginia oh virginia sorry virginia vicious <laughs> thank you very much i wanted to change it to veronica because yeah. i was like oh like code veronica anyway yeah. but uh maybe i just name her code veronica you could damn i'm gonna name her code veronica because tonight. that's the thing there's a respect where you can rename your character and like <laughs> you can redo their appearance yeah. like eternally which is such a cool thing actually because i was unhappy with my appearance i heard it was finite like there's a limited amount of times you can like respect and do your no respect yes but your appearance you can continue to customize your appearance gotcha as in you can actually change your face structure and all that over and over and rename yourself and all that which is really cool cool. yeah the respect apparently happens pretty late in the game Mm. um i'm kind of curious because i feel like i've i I played with the idea that i wanted to add some intelligence so that i can do some magic build stuff Mm -hmm. and then i was like nah dude i need to go with who i really am yeah which is two-handed clay more swinging bitch. Yeah, you're you're a heavy sword kind of guy. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And so a- you're an axe man too. Hell, now that I know how to use my fucking uh, summon arts though with the bell, what are they called again? The the spirit summons something ashes. Everything is like an ash in this. Yeah. Game. Now I'm like I'm doing the work. I summoned one of those World of Warcraft orcs as my friend, and he uses uh, the bow and arrow with me. Nice. He's 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 a champ. And you can upgrade those, by the way. You can visit somebody in the uh, round table, mm-hmm. and they'll upgrade it. Uh, the the lady on the ground, who nobody gave her a folding table, so she's just like working off of a blanket for some reason. It's really sad. Give her a table. Give her a table. Give her a table. This is sexist. <laughs> she she can actually upgrade your uh, spirit summons to oh, make okay. them stronger or make more of them appear. Another weird thing about this round table place, by the way, it's like your hub area yeah. in the game. There's a lady that hugs you. Yeah, Fia. Fia, there's a lady that she's just like, she's like, would you like me to hold you, traveler? I'm like, you're so uh, warm. Yeah, what's uh, what's going on? And she gives you a buff by holding you. Yeah, so there's a character you see in the opening cinematic, which is beautiful. Like, just still animations and illustrations of, like, the 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 shattering of the ring and the world and basically what happens before you get 
dropped in this world as a filthy, disgusting, tarnished. Um, and Fia is one of the characters. They call her Fia the deathbed companion. And she looks like one of the bosses. <laughs> so it's weird that she's hanging out in the hub like that. So I'm wondering if there's going to be something more with her later on. Wouldn't that be fucking cool? Like in, in Dark Souls 1, you see the opening cinematic with like grave lord nito mm-hmm. and then you encounter him and he just hugs you yeah. <laughs> he just fucking holds you or like the lothric princes are like yeah you want to just kind of like hold hands do you just want to make out <laughs> like what if they're just like do you just want to like kiss real hard real quick <laughs> like what excuse me i gotta go save lord ran yeah or you could just kiss me <laughs> dark souls kiss a fool yeah just kiss a fool whatever man but yeah ah th- oh, jesus there's so much it's so exciting because it's rare that a game doesn't feel like it telegraphs its punches. It's rare that a game gives me this sense of like discovery and intrigue and enjoyment from the process of like, wow, here's the thing that's really cool about this game in comparison to Souls games. Because it is a Souls game at its groundwork that Mm -hmm. happens to be open world. It's not an open world game first and Souls on top of it. Yeah, which I think is going to buck a lot of people off, right? Like a lot of people are playing this. I imagine it's going to be probably the best-selling souls game of all time just by like critical hype and reception because like it's getting tens across the board it has a 97 on metacritic which that turns heads and that makes people interested in like what the product is but like you know people go into it thinking it's that kind of emergent breath of the wild game and while it is it is also a punishing souls game and if you don't understand some of the systems and take the time to learn them you're gonna get bucked off and you're really gonna not enjoy yourself but here here's the (laughs) thing that i will say to its credit whereas in a, a game like dark souls there's a very set path of success. There's a very set mm. obstacle in front of yeah, you. That's true. In this game, you can run into an absolute son of a bitch that destroys you, makes you feel terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of, I just need to get good at him. No, it's a matter of, I'll fucking come back. Yeah. Because you have so many different options to go go level somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Go encounter something else. Maybe you'll find a weapon that suits you even better. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll find some sort of boon that helps you in exactly that fight. The thing is, it is like almost limitless possibilities of like, I'm going to go do something else that's going to make me better. I had that moment on stream today where I started the stream fighting this motherfucker on a mount who was a ghost. A lot of ghosts in this game. Very mm-hmm. strange. And he was absolutely destroying me with magic arrows and his big swings. He was kind of like that first uh, boss on horseback in Sekiro. Except he was using magic bullets. Yeah, yeah. Magic Roy's arrows. Up, yeah. yeah. So absolutely destroyed me. I decided I was like, fuck off. I'm going to go do something else. I ended up playing five hours elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Just fighting random bosses, doing cool things, uh, jumping into crypts. And then I came back. And I got that son of a bitch. I got him. I was like, yeah, I upgraded my claymore, you motherfucker. And then I yeah. cut him down. That's one of the, the things that like immediately like kind of perked me up a little bit where the, the Soulsborne formula is like a lot of funneled areas to an immediate this is a boss room. Like this is a fog door that I have to go through to fight a boss. I'm gonna get smacked around probably like a few ten times before I finally like decide to maybe like level up a bit more, get stronger, or Maybe just reapproach the fight a little differently, right? Because um, I got to the the Margit fight, which is like I guess the first like boss, like if you're following like the the golden path. Um, 
And I was like, oh, this is kind of kind of rough. Like, whatever. All right, I'll, I'll do the same thing, right? I'll get on my horse. I'll go explore a bit. I'll level up. And then I came back to it. And I, I, I love that, like, that I can... There are options in this game, right? Like, I have the option to go explore, level up, you know, maybe learn the game a bit more intimately before coming back to, like, a, a boss fight that is blocking me from moving the game forward. And it, that re- sense of reward and triumph is still there. It feels even greater somehow, right? It it does. There's something about it. I, I I don't know it because the world's so big and there's so many different things going on. It it's just you feel like a fucking hero when you go back to a thing and go, I'm ready for you now. Yeah. Right. Where you had less opportunity in Dark Souls, be like, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna go to that one swamp and try to cut up some slugs for like three hours. No. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go have a grand-ass adventure in those three hours, come back even stronger than I was, mm. and bitch you out. <laughs> it's so good. I will say, like, the ability to, like, kind of explore freely, and this this is going to be different for everybody, obviously, um, and kind of, like, save a fight for later, it, it's obviously feeding my curiosity, my sense of discovery, which is amazing, right? Like, going and being like, I want to get on my horse, named Torrent and go check out that old <laughs> decrepit church. Named after what you do to old the used albums. Yeah, or go down into a cave that I'm going to open a chest that's going to fucking transport me into a hellscape of like squid men and fucking like <laughs> crystal demons, you know? And But sometimes I find that like I'm doing the exploration and I'm not necessarily like leveling, like I'm not mm. grinding necessarily. I'm just like looking around. I'm just, that like, can happen. I'm just like opening chests and finding weapons and like talking to NPCs and it's like the, the thing about, like, that is, like, I feel like there's less grind spots as there would be in, like, a Soulsborne game where it's like, right. oh, I know, like, I have this wall of a boss I need to get through. Cool. I'm going to just go through this path of enemies, grind a bunch, you know, max out my strength and health, come back to the fight. And it's like, I'm losing the sense of that at time because I'm just so in- engrossed in, like, exploring, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, I forgot I was supposed to be leveling my character. Like, there was a point where it's like, I was probably five hours in and I'm like, oh, I'm only, like, level... 12 because like, i right. hadn't been leveling my character at all yeah on that on that point uh there's been a lot of discourse around this game right because it doesn't have the uh what, what we would say the standard bog standard open world implementation right there's no quest log sure there's no um i mean there's waypoints but like you have to set your own waypoints essentially um it's, okay, so it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you unlock these sites of grace, which are your bonfires, and yeah. sometimes they'll point at a direction. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is nothing we've ever gotten before in any of these games. Ooh. We've never had anything like a waypoint in a Or Souls a map. Game. Yeah, or a map. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and like it'll, it'll point in a general direction, and you're like, well, what's over there? And either it's pointing toward the actual some sort of objective, like taking out one of these Lords of Cinder, Lords of Elden. Mm-hmm. Ringmasters, yeah, shard bearers, shard sh- sharders. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be doing that, or it could be pointing to just another area of intrigue. Mm-hmm. It's not going to give you the GTA. Here's a GPS fucking line through the map to go exactly where you want. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be any like HUD in the game that tells you beyond your little fucking compass where sure. to go. And so, I think Jason Trier himself said that you need to. It, this is a great game for like journaling. Get a journal out, mm-hmm. write down points of interest and stuff like that. And people lost their fucking mind going, that's disrespectful of my time. Why isn't there an in-game quest log? That's like a requisite. And I'm just like, yeah, for a fetch quest game, 
for a fucking checklist game. Mm-hmm. Dog, you're playing a Souls game first. This is not a checklist game. This is not an open world game first. It is a Souls game that is open world, mm-hmm. not the reverse. And That's I'll, a big thing. I'll say the game does a lot of courtesies to the player, which is very rare, where it, like there is more of an ease of play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that this game is accessible by any means but it is a bit more approachable with some of the open world elements because if those things weren't there this game would be so difficult for people even more so like having the waypoints is necessary right having the variance of play and and more the verticality and having the horse and and all that like it makes it having the jump makes it a lot easier but i i would feel like things like so this is always the thing with the souls games where it's like you talk to a character and you silently like initiate a side quest an invisible side quest where there's components that you don't even know you're really doing and it's triggered. And then you talk to another character that like maybe this decrepit, like faceless man, you know, told you to go talk to this person with a red scarf and then you did it. And then you triggered another situation. I wish that that was cataloged in a way, or at least like talking to a person and then mentioning it, maybe like flag something on the map, like automatically. Mm. Oh, I talked to, you know, Varl, the, the, the vitriol. (laughs) And it marked like a little, marker where he says go to this rune and find the sword that was you know bared by a great lord you know something like that but it does kind of make the player take on the onus of well shit i need to remember that and there is a lot to remember in that you know and because mm-hmm. there are i feel like there's going to be a lot of invisible quest lines and it's like oh shit yeah i forgot that i talked to this character 20 hours ago you know yeah it's it, it's a lot the game could do you a kindness in that in that regard but it doesn't mm-hmm. and that's something that is intrinsic to Dark Souls. Dark Souls, that's yeah. how their NPC interactions go. Here, Here's a pro tip for anybody jumping in the Elden Ring that hasn't played a Souls game. Mm-hmm. Just because they're done talking doesn't mean that you shouldn't press triangle yeah, in front of them again. Them. Keep, like, you need to, there's a concept of emptying out their dialogue yeah. options. <laughs> because the game doesn't explain this to you. It doesn't. It's just a Souls thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's a weird thing. How do you, how do we catalog this? How do we tell people? Like like the aliens that unearth our remains a million years from now, that for some reason we had a collective understanding through conditioning mm-hmm. that you need to continue talking to the same NPC to get different dialogue mm-hmm. options. How do we t- how do we tell them, Daniel? Well, it's it's very much I feel like rooted in in older games. Like you see it a lot in like Zelda games, right? Like Ocarina of Time, where it's like you're going to talk through a character's dialogue options, and like okay, by the end you're going to get to a point where they offer you an item or ask you to go do a thing, and that that's been around for like fucking two decades at least. At this point with Zelda sure. games, um, so but it is that thing where it's like I feel like a lot of people are going to just maybe talk through one line of dialogue, and be like, all right, cool, and walk away. Thanks, weird dude with half a face missing. I'll, I'm going to go this way now. Yeah, they might they <laughs> might think of NPCs as being like window dressing and not like, oh, that's a quest. Yeah, you know, or so like I, I get that, or a vessel for a lot of the the narrative to be delivered to you because that's like a thing with souls games as well like you have a very threadbare story that's given in a like opening cinematic and but a, a lot of the rest of it is through like you know visual storytelling item descriptions character interactions and then boss interactions as well there's a lot of blink if you miss it moments with the story in these games so that, that, that's the other thing about these games that i think is intriguing too is that they they have an existence that's outside of the confines of the game itself yeah sure. there are mechanics and things that will never be explained in the game and that might be frustrating to you but <laughs> there is a communal kind of effort behind yeah being a cartographer for these games and it always has been 
And I, I don't know when From Software figured this out, figured out that people would get keen to their games in this kind of nature of like, hey, we're being purposely vague, but we know our fans are going to like work together to figure it out. But that has always existed. You know, is always is. And yes, that might be frustrating to a player that says, hey, what if the internet turned off and I have no friends, mm-hmm. which is a very likely scenario with global warming. Sure. But <laughs> is I'm going to play this game and there's no explanation or any way to figure this out. But yeah. it's like, that's just the nature of it. Going on to the Reddit, going on to, here's what I did. I set up an entire Discord channel. Which is pretty cool. For us to figure out and learn Elden Ring together. Mm-hmm. Right, I set up a Discord channel so that everyone that's playing can like log their progress or log like, hey, there's a really interesting person to talk to over here. They gave you this item. I invite it because I like this meta. I really do. Yeah. It's tell me what other games kind of have this this nature to it, other than maybe like Destiny. You know, I would say. It could- so a lot of this feels rooted in older Japanese games, right? Like RPGs or like open world experiences where like mm. not a lot of it is forwardly delivered to you. A lot of it is rewarded back in terms of like you exploring, right. you, you really having that peak curiosity and wanting to know more. Cause I think about like older, like RPGs, like fucking like earthbound or like super Mario RPG where like there's these hidden mechanics and things that like are only really explained through interaction and people like, being like oh i found this thing and if you like you know tap x and do this like you know a mini boss appears and like a lot of that is is here as well and i i love that it is the sort of genre that fans have like taken ownership with and really bolstered the experience of Mm because like you and i we got into the souls games with dark souls 3 kind of like late into the game right at that point yeah like midway actually it's in the middle of the game now god we're old i know so dark souls 3 felt like okay cool we're we're discovering this game along with people and that felt exciting sekiro was a little different um where it's like i feel like there was a lot to discover but it was linear in a lot of ways i think um and then bloodborne we played like after the fact this feels like we're all discovering it at the same time. Right. Nobody knows anything about this so game on a deep level, whether it is the good. story or like certain character things, and like just to see the. Like we'll never get this again. Yeah, it's 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 a rare like moment in gaming to see it happen, and it does remind me of like Breath of the Wild in a lot of ways. Um, and it, it's, it's a cornerstone moment. Yeah. it really is. So like to have like the Discord or just see it online, people just discussing their experiences and like oh, did you know that you could do this or unlock this dialogue option or don't kill this character because you're going to block yourself out of maybe seeing this other like boss fight or like moment that you wouldn't otherwise get. And it's it's cool because like Miyazaki isn't going to put it all out there for us. It's inviting the player to discover it at their he own He won't pace. even play his own games. Really? Yeah, he doesn't play Too his scared? own games. No, not scared. Um it's this is this is something that happens it's hard to explain but i guess like, when creators like as, exactly yeah, as a musician i hated listening to my own stuff right. but i had to because it's, i was a perfectionist about it's it. it's almost the same it's the yeah. same where i don't like listen back to these podcasts because i was like i made it i was there i don't yeah. need to re-listen to yeah, me fair enough fucking scream about i don't know fucking milk pussy or whatever i say on stream <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> What is milk pussy? <laughs> it's an arcane item that you can find in the north in Elden Ring. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's the same thing for him where he explained um, he has a lot of emotions and strife tethered to the creation of a game. And also, it's unexciting to him because he knows what's there. Mm-hmm. He wants to be like you, the player. 
doesn't know what this world is. And so he creates experiences where it's like, I want you to discover what I've made. Mm -hmm. But for him, he can never enjoy what he's given you as a player. Mm -hmm. It's really sad, dog. It's the saddest thing. Him and him and both Miyazaki's are depressed. (laughs) They don't know it. They need a a support group. Miyazaki's anonymous. They do. We need to help them. (laughs) Man. So the the thing about like the community kind of driving some of the uh, you know hidden elements of the game like i think of like bloodborne right and like some of the things that players were finding in the chalice dungeon like years later like hidden boss fights and things that like like scrapped like bits of code that like never made it into the final game that people were finding i feel like there is going to be infinitesimal like possibilities Good word. of discoveries and things that people are going to be finding in this game like for years to come like, it's just, it's insane to think of, like, the possibilities. Dude, there, there's going to be a Polygon arti- article in 2027 yeah. about, like, did you know there was a boss underneath the lake? Yeah, right? <laughs> and it's like, no, I didn't. What? <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna talk about some of my high-level stuff with this because, like, I I am not a big fan of open-world games. I think if, if there weren't so many impressive games or revered games that were open-world games like Horizon, right? Like, fucking... Some of the Assassin's Creed games, Ghost of Shima. I almost wouldn't play them. Prototype? Pro- sure, prototype, you know. <laughs> Infamous, you know. Uh, oh, Infamous is good. I, I just, I don't like the min- the minutia of some of these games and also like the the labored ask of like, hey, do everything on the map, right? Do the checklisty mm-hmm. things, right? This game for, I feel like, and I said this to you, like, I feel like this game is mm-hmm. going to be for open world fans. They're kind of clicking point for Souls games and loving it. Whereas for me, it's like, I feel like this is deepening my appreciation for open world games as a Souls fan, right? Like, I am deeply engrossed in this world. I'm loving my time with it. It's one of those games where it's like, fuck, like, I can't get enough of it because it's like there's always something to discover. There's always another wow moment. I'm always going like, oh my god, so what is that? something there to what remind me. Or like just something crazy in the world happens where it's like, oh, I'm just going about my fucking day looking at like just picking up fucking things off the ground. And then I get ambushed by an eagle with fucking like knives on its legs. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, it's what just a weird thing. It's it's so weird, but it's what just like, thing. it's, you know, what I thought that I was, you know, what the weirdest thing I discovered out there. Hmm. And like when I when I started describing it to people, they were like, where can I find this? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I heard some beautiful singing one day. <laughs> Like by the coast, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was like, "There's some beautiful singing," and I like I thought it was coming from above me, so I used my horse to like. You can double jump with the horse. I'm sorry, that's like a weird concept, but it's so cool. <laughs> like I'm, I'm doing the Devil May Cry double jump. I got up there. Hang on, I got up there. <laughs> Didn't find anyone. Yeah, I went down below and I saw that. Oh, there's a bunch of these giant bats. Yeah, <laughs> chilling, and I'm like, "Oh, fuck these bats! There's they're, they're 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 assholes. If they grab you, they do like you know they suck your blood. Whatever." And I look, and I was like, one of those bats is different. I drop down there. There is a bat with an old woman's head. Not that she's, not that the bat is carrying an old woman's head. Instead of a bat head, there is an old woman's head, and she is singing beautifully. And the other bats are in trance. (laughs) And I came down there and interrupted their situation and had to kill them because they started attacking me. And it was the oddest, most gratifying, strangest thing that I've done in that game. 
that's why I love the emergent moments in this game. Because, like, Breath of the Wild had, like, cool stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, look at that. Like, that group of moblins, they're just, like, looking at something. Like, what are they looking at? Oh, shit, there's a dragon kind of, like, tracing the sky out. And that's cool. And then you're fighting moblins. Where it's this game, it's, like, emergent horrors, right? That's like so fucking crazy. Yeah, the moment where it was like, oh, that's a really sweet song, turned into, that's a Batwoman. Yeah. <laughs> It's the worst zero to 100 in this game. And there's so many moments like that in this game. And it's like you could play the game for it feels like 100 hours and still be able to miss out on some of the craziest things that it's hiding. And I love that. I love that there's an open world that's actively hiding all of these moments from me. And all I have to do is just look. Try to look. There's a lot of dynamism to that, too, because there's, like, day and night cycles where, like, shit will happen at night that will weather happen effects. during the day. Weather effects. And, like, there's so much going on. Um, and, like, we've barely scratched the surface of it. Can we can we at least, to, to be fair and balanced, because I feel like we started with Horizon, like, really, really down. And that's a game that I overall like and actually still recommend despite how much... Yeah, I highly recommend that I have with it, yeah. right? Um it's weird right because there's so many things that annoy me in that game anyway what don't we like so far about elden ring okay so for me like obviously like i'm very high on it i think it is the culmination of everything from software has done to this point right like whether it is the rpg systems whether it is like the the scaling of the boss fights you know even the fact that like a lot of the games are pretty grounded up into this point and Sekiro was the first game that's like we're going to let you jump the fact that i can jump in this game it's the first game that lets you jump yeah the, the fact that i can jump on a horse the fact that like <laughs> i can jump on a horse and it like also nerfs like fall damage he wasn't called jump man he was stay on the ground man <laughs> there, there, <laughs> there's like so many like little systems that are just kind of borrowed from each of the games that builds this like really cool new experience right i'm not saying that like this game reinvents open world games because it doesn't no it doesn't but it's it, all these like simultaneous it reinvents souls games yes exactly I will agree with that. it's all these simultaneous elements borrowed from the lineage of from software that breathes new experience into you the old hat of like you know try as you die experiences like grinding to fight bosses right the things that it kind of maintains that like kind of make me really frustrated it's like treating certain things as resources right like the multiplayer system right like at this point like we're fucking so we're like 10 plus years almost like what 15 16 years in the souls games stop using multiplayer as a fucking resource right and there's layers to this too where he said it it's it's annoying because like it's not painted in an obvious way sure um i first have to initiate summoning pools in certain areas and if i miss it then i obviously can't even summon players in that that area as a whole i have to have four different variations of fingers to (laughs) either summon be summoned or do pvp stuff listen you have five fingers in each hand what's so hard about my summoning finger which is going to be my middle finger in this instance is a uh it's a finite resource um that like you use it you consume it um and if somebody actually gets summoned into your world then you know you get reduced by one and then boom you go into a battle i wish there was more of a I don't know, friendly multiplayer system with it. Like, I was asking you about, like, uh, Remnant from yeah. Ash. Like, how does it handle its multiplayer system as a Soulsborne-type game? And you're like, well, it doesn't, like, 
Destiny. There's matchmaking, and you have a party that sticks with you the whole time. Yep. There's no, oh, Pretty normal. I summon a ghost spirit of my friend. We do a boss fight. They disappear. <laughs> I have to resummon them. It's so fucking archaic. Yeah. It, like, just, it's annoying because, like, for a game that's, like, you can do up to four-player co-op, it's just like, well, I want to do that, but, like, you're making it really difficult to do yeah. so. Yeah. Um, I think Demon Souls was the last one that was super frustrating because it's, like, you and I wanted to play it together a lot but like there's like level gaps where it's like oh if you and i are more than like 10 levels apart like if i'm level 20 and you're level 35 we can't play together mm-hmm. which sucked and i'm like okay well then what the fuck right so that that's one of the things that like still grates on me where it's like yeah, you could advance that totally a little agree. bit but i get the idea of like Things are a resource in this game. Even the horse, right? Like, you summon your horse. If your horse dies, you have to basically use a flask to revive it, you know? So it treats everything like a resource. I get it. But that's something that feels just kind of really dated and could could use some improvements about it, for sure. Um, And I I even feel like some of the... um, the mechanical descriptions, right? Like, I, I hear a lot of people saying, like, there's a tutorial in this game that is super easy to miss. I don't know how people are missing it, but, like, I feel like there should be more moments like that that are doled out where it's like, oh, yeah, teach me how to use a certain, like, weapon or idea in the game, right? But mm-hmm. those are kind of two of my things. I'll think through the rest, but is there anything that, like, kind of immediately stands out to you as something that is, like, not as polished as it could be i i'll jump on with the multiplayer aspect i think this is an overall problem they have with most of their like implementation where there's a lot of requirements just to meet a goal like even using magic is like oh i gotta go get this special seal and then i also have to equip this different incantation and then i also have to use this uh staff to be able to use the magic and i'm just like it's a lot of fucking steps that literally bar me out from having any interest of just using magic. Like I, like again, I'm not like a sorcerer, spellcaster sort of player. Like I'm always a very much like very brute, lughead. I'm gonna smack you <laughs> yeah, as hard same. as possible kind of guy. Give me strength. But like I would be interested to play with magic if you lowered the criteria to even begin using it. Mm-hmm. Like it's fucking egregious. Then like how much it's like no 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 you gotta stat up your intelligence you gotta stat up your faith you son of a bitch you dirty bitch you gotta be <laughs> so dexterous and intelligent you gotta be so dexterous you little slut get over here you gotta you gotta fucking stat build you're never gonna have strength you're never gonna have vigor you're never gonna have endurance if you want to use a staff well, it's it's the thing too where it's like you have like a certain set of classes I think there's like seven or eight classes yeah and there's pre destined like stats like oh if i'm a warrior i'm gonna have more strength if i'm a vagabond i'm gonna have less strength whatever um and i'm more prone to like you know know how to use magic items or dexterous items and it's like i'll pick up a really cool fucking like great sword or i always think of like the the holy moonlight sword and like you know the other games which no, no 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 the the what is it called the the great is it the great moonlight sword something like something that. great yeah i know what you mean moonlight. don't don't correct us souls moonlight fans. Sword. souls yeah. fans get the fuck get out of here. the fuck out of here but it's like i pick up something really cool and then i go to use it and it's like uh-uh-uh yo oh, you're not smart enough you don't have enough dexterity to hold this weapon it's like well why did you put it in front of me and it's a it's a little frustrating at times for sure frustrating is a common word used in this uh these souls titles right but i feel like frustrating should only remain for this was a frustrating fight that i overcame not this was a frustrating way to get my friend to play with me (laughs) yeah and i don't i don't know if it's just like kind of just so embedded in like the formula and dna of these games that like we're gonna have mechanics that like aren't 
like forthright explained like i obviously if you've been with the series for a long time you understand these things right Mm -hmm. and with that like i think a lot of people are going to come into this thinking it's like the most like easy entry point in the Soulsborne franchise, eh. I don't fucking think it is because it, it eh. presumes a lot in the player. It asks you to know a lot of these systems already kind of going into it. <laughs> I still submit this might be controversial. Mm-hmm. Bloodborne is the easiest entry to a Souls game. I would say Bloodborne and Sekiro. No. Yeah. Just because you can jump doesn't make that game fucking accessible. No. That game's so fucking hard. No, but because it teaches you the mechanics pretty early on and just asks you to it does master that. them. It does and that. It doesn't have like... But it's it's like almost like four times harder than Bloodborne. Yeah, but it doesn't have like weird ancillary builds that lets me do one thing or another. It's like we're all the same character. We have a skill tree, different arts and stuff like that. Okay. And it, it teaches you the mechanics in a very forward way, whereas a lot of these other games don't. I mean, right? there's that. It teaches you the mechanics, but it also restricts you from having the options to build your character in a way that suits your play style. You have to play a very particular way to be successful in Sekiro. That's why I think Bloodborne is the most accessible of Souls games because you can come in and be like, I'm getting what you're telling me, but I'm going to build my character this way to make it feel good. Sure. You can't do that in Sekiro. No, that's fair. I think obviously we're splitting hairs on it, but I feel like, yeah, those two simultaneously are probably the easiest entry points for sure. Yes, and I think that's like more that speaks to um, from software's just kind of like experience in the industry, like knowing like oh what bucks people off and what yeah. doesn't. Like I feel like they're always working towards getting people past the first boss trophy. Mm-hmm. You know, they look at the metrics and go like, why is nobody getting past the first boss in Dark Souls Three? Why is nobody beating Father Gassione? <laughs> yeah, like figuring like what the fuck do we do? And this game does interesting things. Here's one of the coolest things that I think is so fucking fun in this mm-hmm. game, is that. Originally, in older Souls games, the only way to recharge your Estus flasks, just called flasks oh, in this game, I love this. is that you need to go from bonfire to bonfire. Mm-hmm. In this game, if you take on a crowd of enemies just mm-hmm. out in the open world and successfully kill each of them, there is a very high chance they're going to give you one or more Estus yep. refills. And what the game is trying to tell you is that we don't want you to be afraid to explore beyond your side of grace, your bonfire in this game. Mm-hmm. Because we want to give you the tools and the re-up to continue pushing you on. Like, that's very deliberate that the game is saying, no, 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 no. We got you, brother. Keep on going. You got past this hard fight? Keep on going. You yeah. don't need to go back. You don't need to double back and, and then go back to this very same fight and master it again. No. Keep going forward. I, I love that. That's actually, like, one of my favorite, like, kind of additions slash improvements mm-hmm. of the game because it's, like, the ease of play with it is nicer and it's, like, you're relying on more moments of relief, right? Like, our moments yeah. of relief in previous games are, like, shit, I'm panicked and I'm trying to get to that next fucking bonfire or lantern or whatever to just make sure I have a, a next checkpoint, right? There's a lot of checkpoints in this game and the fact that, sure. like, I can just be, like, all right, I'm going to fight through this group of enemies. Maybe I'm down to, like two flasks maybe one and killing a whole mob of like undeadites replenishes it and then i'm like shit well now i can keep going which mixed with the open world formula feels really great right where it's like it makes me want to keep i know it's redundant it makes me keep (laughs) wanting to fucking like explore and and move forward which is yeah it's it's an interesting design philosophy 
for it sure. It is. It is. There's a lot of interesting philosophy that I'm seeing like unspool before me and going like, why is it this way? Oh, it's this way because of this. You know, it's it's, it's such a cool thing. I feel like this is, you know, I, I want to tell you a little story. Sure. I'm going to tell you a story right now. Back in the day. Do you remember when Bioshock Infinite came out? Yeah, I love that game. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that um, when it came out, everyone was through the roof with their hype about it. Sure. Right? They were saying things like, this is the game that's going to be taught in game design <laughs> class. Sure, yeah. And then it took like maybe like 1.5 years before people were like, oh, this game is actually really racist and really superficial. Yeah. And that's true. That is honestly like, that is the end point for Bioshock Infinite when it comes to like our remembrance. Sure. It is really oddly racist and it is completely superficial in its design philosophy. Mm-hmm. It is. It's dumb. It's Call of Duty, but with like hand... What is that thing called again? The Skyhook. It's yeah, it's Call of Duty with the Skyhook. That's all that game is. I'm so sure. sorry to be reductive about Bioshock fucking Infinite that said, "Oh man, revolutionaries can be just as bad as fascists." <laughs> yeah, it makes you choose weird sides in that one. It has a weird commentary anyway. This is actually a game that will be taught from here on out to people to go look at what this motherfucker did and why they deign to do it we will be looking at the design of this game for years to come and be like oh my god so that's how that fits together or oh that's how you get that out of a player this is how you draw someone on without hand holding them Mm -hmm. this will be a game that is taught I am saying it right here in the save room. Mm-hmm. This is not something that's like, oh, yeah, it's just another Souls game. No, this is something else. And I don't think because we're so close to the release of it, the dust hasn't settled for how brilliant this game is yet. Even the reviews that came out with their 10s don't even know what that 10 is. I guarantee you it. Okay? So here's, Also, Bioshock Infinite sucks. Here's one of my points of contention with this. Um I think this game is great. I think oh. it's amazing. I love it. Oh. I think there's a lot of fucking hyperbole around it right oh, now. Yeah? And I know a lot of it is coming from Souls enthusiasts like myself, reviewers who are very familiar with, with the franchise. But there's still a lot of dated stuff to it. Like, you know, I, I'll say, like, I love playing it. Like, it feels great. But, like, coming off of a game like Demon Souls, right, where it's like, I feel like there was, like, such a mechanical oomph to it at times. Like, mm. this game doesn't feel much different than... Dark Souls 3 on a bare mechanical level. Sure. Save for, like, the addition of the Ashes of War, right? Where it's like, I can do more dynamic attacks, right? I, I wanted to see it move the combat forward in a different way, and it feels like it's still kind of, like, stuck in 2016 with it, really. Yeah, and I, I can agree with that. That's not really what I'm saying about it being, like, a game that's going to be taught going no, forward. No, that, that's... I'm just saying, there's a lot of hyperbole, yeah. and wh- what I wanted to see from this is, like, I wanted to see it move... some of its mechanics for it. Sure, this is a great step for Dark Souls games into an open world world formula, and it's brilliantly executed, but, Mm -hmm. like, there's still so much more work to be done. I don't think this game is fucking perfection to the letter. I obviously haven't even seen it all the way through. There's still so much more to go with it, but I'm loving it every step of the way. That's the thing, though. I'm not saying that, like, oh, this is the perfect game, and therefore that's why it needs to be studied. It has a lot of imperfect, rough edges to it, like yeah. all Souls games do. Sure. They, they're all rough in their all ways. Yeah. They all have bad multiplayer. Yeah, <laughs> right. They for sure. Like do. that's the thing. There's something underneath the surface, the inner workings of what they're trying to evoke from a player. Whether you think like, oh, what I what I really care about is that it has like it moves 
the the combat in one direction or another. That's not necessarily what's going on here. Mm-hmm. There's there's something about its combination in aggregate of its design f- philosophies and what it's trying to get the player to do, or at least tell the player you have the option to do these things. Mm-hmm. That is going to be like this is the thing we're going to remember forever. It's not going to come down to, man, I wish the arts were more interesting. It's not going to come down to that. It's going to come down to something on the very basic level of what is the engagement between a player, the world, and their character that we do differently than other games. And this game does do something different. There's some inner working, and it's just the right mix of freedom Mm -hmm. and intentional design and having such a perfect balance between those two. Out of all the things that's that's going on in this game, I feel like the, the level of freedom... And the intentionally designed encounters and emergent moments mm-hmm. of where I'm choosing when I encounter these things rather than being it's it's being spoon fed to me through sure. a bunch of question marks on a yeah. checklist is going to change how people think about video games in the next ten years. I'm gonna, very easily. I'm gonna ask you this yeah. because I, I love this conversation. This is really great. Sure. Yeah, we're having fun with this. I don't care how long this goes. I was shocked if it sucks. <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> Part uh, two is actually better. How it is, though. Part yeah, two is way better. Steve Gaynor was on that, and... Yeah. <gasps> oh, that's oh. right. Mm. We're gonna burn down your work, Steve Gaynor. We're gonna come for you, you son of a bitch. You're mean to ladies. I'm mean to your career, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go Randy Savage on his ass. Brother, we're gonna take you down. We're gonna take you down. <laughs> you think you're not tour? I think you're a bitch. Save roommates, sorry. We're going long. We've been drinking. We're going long. Uh, and we love this game, obviously. These are 7.8, by I know. Way. We're drinking uh, War Child right now. It's an IPA yeah, from uh, Georgetown Brewing Company. That's what got me through um, uh, Godric last night. These fucking War Childs. I was a War Child myself. Fucking Godric <laughs> the Grafted. This man who belittles me says, Oh, you're untarnished. You're not worthy of grafting. What this man who has it? fucking arms coming out of his fucking right. head. The man who takes a fucking dragon head off of a dead dragon body, affixes it to his arm and breathes fire in an arena. It's fucking a spectacle. How does anyway, he even do that? I don't is know. It like, is it like the, the, the Elden Shard does that for Maybe. Like, I need to get one of those shards. <laughs> I need that shit. That's going to fucking... If I can fucking, become Beast Wars the person. <laughs> so, how... Yeah. I feel like it's not going to be individually taught. Maybe the works of Miyazaki could be a class of its own, right? But I feel like the approach of this sort of open world game is always going to be talked about lock and step with a game like Breath of the Wild because they do similar things, right? In that sense of like, go wherever you want. Have free player agency, right? There's a lot of just really inviting the player's curiosity and saying, hey, you know, you're going to fucking come across like, I don't know what they're called, like the great... Lyles or whatever those fucking like centaur men where it's like oh shit he whooped my ass pretty hard well I'm gonna go that way instead you know Mm -hmm. the sense of I can approach any of the four main like bosses in any direction the fact that I can say fuck all go straight to Ganon right like there's there's something there that is very lock and step with this approach as well that like I think they'll be taught simultaneously Mm, Um, that's a fair point I haven't engaged with Breath of the Wild too much to be like oh this is the master class of open world and not even to say that like Breath of the Wild was the first to do things like that it was just the first in the Zelda franchise to do things like that. So, I mean, it is fascinating to see it in the Dark Souls skin, and I, I love the approach of it because there are many moments where I'm just like, damn, I could treat this like a like a Souls game and just 
fucking be headstrong and fight the same boss over and over and over again. But that's almost not the point, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, there, there, there's a, a bigger underpinning going on here than just like, oh, all this game is about is just beating bosses. Yeah, there, there, yeah there, there's way more. No, it's a good point with Breath of the Wild. I didn't engage with it too much where the other people were like, this is the best game I ever fucking played. I think IGN said it was like number one out of a list yeah, of 100 they did. games of they all did. time, right? <laughs> yeah. Which I don't agree with, but whatever. And I do agree. that That's a game that's going to be very studied throughout time. I'm What I'm hoping for is across these two titles is that there's kind of a a design reset that occurs with open world games. Cause I feel like Ubisoft and a few other and Sony starting to go in this yeah. direction with horizon. They're taking open world to a direction. That's just like, well, the game might as well play itself. Mm. Like, what do you need me here for? You've already told me you've already designed every point of interest and have signified every point of interest in the game. Mm-hmm. You've, you, you've taken, you've literally drained the mystery out of these titles, right? You don't even, you don't even try anymore. You're like, no, 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 no. Somebody spent a weekend not <laughs> hugging their daughter by <laughs> implementing this this one fucking crypt sure. in Horizon. So therefore, there's a question mark on it that you need to go figure out, right? Like, it's it's the funniest thing to me. Do you think this game had a divorce horse? I don't think Torrent was a divorce horse at all. Torrent wasn't a divorce horse. It wasn't. But there might have been. Yeah. But then again, it's like, it's weird. Like, when it comes to Japanese development, the mm-hmm. things that we would consider to be like, oh, this is egregious crunch might just be like, normal. Yeah. <laughs> for Japanese developers. God, work culture in Japan yeah, it's horrible. as a whole is fucking awful. Horrible. People yeah, kill themselves because of like the work regiment. And that's a true thing. That's yeah. a true thing. I was I was trying to avoid to be like the suicide rate is yeah. like really fucking high it in is. Japan, but it is because yeah. it's like they made a whole culture where like work and being purposeful with your life is the most important thing rather than just fucking living. Mm-hmm. Um which is really sad. Right. Yeah. So, like, if you if you want to talk about any any development houses in the world that can uh, go against the fucking crunch of a Call of Duty studio, just look at Japan. Yeah. You just don't hear about the stories because they're very like mum. Yeah, it's very everything. locked. Like, we don't hear oh, about yeah. a lot of those stories. Yep. We need a we need a Japanese Jason Schreier. We do getting out there breaking the stories. We do. Like... The, the problem is we have too many people that like when they look at like Japanese culture, they just want to get fucking like stars in their eyes yeah. about how cool anime. And <laughs> they want to be is. a Harajuku girl. And I'm and just like, yeah, shoes. <laughs> Whatever you could have just said, or potentially I, said. I said, be a Harajuku girl and wear big shoes. We that was this. the thing that Gwen Stefani was, like, kind of, like, pushing in the forefront. That, what? That whole, that whole culture, yeah. <laughs> what? This is news to me, yeah. man. This is news I cannot use. <laughs> Let's reel it back in. Reel, it back, reel it back in, in. Reel it back in. Elden Ring. It's fun. Pretty fucking good. One of yeah. my favorite cock rings I've ever put on. Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, because I'm keeping I'm keeping a huge boner playing this one. I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> We're big Souls born fans, you and I. What about this? Like stands brighter and taller than some of the other entries. Like, what about this calls to you more than like I don't know Demon Souls or like Dark Souls? And granted, they all have the things that make them special, right? This isn't to disparage one or the other, but what about this really stands out to you in a way that says? I don't want to be playing anything else. I think it's a level of agency. Yeah. I think it's a level of like, I'm going on my own path on my own whims. Mm. The game could try to give me a few vague guideposts. And I like that it really stays its hand. Like it doesn't just go like, just go here. You need to go here. That's the only way to get like through the story. No, it just kind of goes, here's a suggestion of a general area. You can go there if you don't or whatever. Right. Sure. For me, it's like I, I run into these encounters 
I go into a cave and I meet Patches or... Oh my God, Patches. Or, <laughs> you know, I, I like running into that underground city was one of the coolest feelings in the world of like, like so many thoughts raced through my head. I was like, am I supposed to be here yet? Yeah. Did the game want me to see this yet? Or did it not matter? Mm-hmm. And then I realized, no, this truly is a world. Now, let's not talk about open world games. This is a world where this has always been here. Mm-hmm. This has been here for millennia, probably. And I stumbled upon it from my own personal whim of like, I'm going to go in this direction because I haven't seen this yet. And that Mm -hmm. was it. There was nothing else signifying that I should go there. And I think that's what makes it more of a engrossing experience because it was like, I chose this. Mm -hmm. I made this happen. I made this entire experience that was obviously it's curated to a degree. But I decided to encounter it on a whim that just makes it more exciting mm-hmm. i think that i think that's what sets it apart that's what sets this game apart from other souls games right and even maybe other open world games that are very like i think back to gta 3 where certain bridges were completely closed because the game was saying you're not ready to go past what we're ready to show you mm-hmm. this game is like nah fucking go to it see what happens it does it in a different way too because like certain open world games will tell you when you are too underleveled for an area. This game doesn't do it. Nope. It, it almost says, "Yeah, go go follow your heart. You're going to get your ass punished. You might try try again and then it's up to you to decide if you want to be stubborn about it or just go somewhere else." Yeah. Which is interesting. Like that first fucking the the tree sentinel, that's that badass bitch on a horse where it's like that's the first thing you encounter that is kind of like a mini boss of sorts and you're like do I want to try and take this down? And it's like, you you can, you can try to, but it's like, it's almost not worth your your time uh, to do it right away and just come back to it later. Yeah, I that, that sense of agency is what's going to stand uh, the test of time with this game. It mixed with the, the Souls formula for sure. And I, I love that you and I like are having two completely different experiences with it, right? You're, sorry, Victoria, was it? No. Did I get it wrong again? Virginia. Virginia. Fuck all the V names. Virginia. <laughs> so you're, you're Virginia and my Lady McGwent. We're doing totally different things. We haven't even played together yet, which is insane. Like to think that like there is like an nope. open, uh, a multiplayer open world mechanic that you and I have like, you know, talked about like, yeah, we should play together, but we're still kind of doing our own thing. And there'll be a point I think where we group up with it. You have such a wild gray hair on your beard. Yeah. It's just like fight. Like it's the one gray hair that just wants to fight like away from the rest of the hairs on your face. I always get it, one of those and like I want to yeah. keep it, but I have a tendency to like pluck it out. He's going to pluck it out. Like it looks like it just like it's the only one that's that, that that's a color. Right? It's distinct, right? It's distinct. Mm. It's very not distinguished. Don't get those two confused. <laughs> two different D words. It's distinct. <laughs> All right, let's let's close the conversation on this. Let us running. close the ring. A little long here. Um, I love this game. It's definitely made me appreciate open world games Mm. even more. Do you like Sekiro more? Uh, That's tough. Because it's like I I platinum Sekiro and like this game I'm only 16 hours in and I know there's so much more to see. I think this game is giving me different and more exciting things than Sekiro did for sure. Um, it's, It's given me the things that like traditional Soulsborne games do where it's like I'm a very curious player where it's like if I see it and I was like this with Ocarina of Time like back in like fucking 98 like 10 year old me just being like shit can I go explore that over there and the game says yes you can or no you can't right but we've come so far with open world games where the answer is almost yes you can go that way um yes Virginia yes Virginia 
And uh, the, the Soulsborne games have always kind of like pulled the player to whatever they want to do in terms of discovery, but granted more linear. This is like, fucking go, go do it. And it's, it's do very it, exciting. Um, so go like, it's, it. it's tough because like some days I think like Sekiro is my favorite uh, Soulsborne game. Other days I'm like Dark Souls 3, like through and through, because I love, I love the world of Lothric. I love the visual design, the art design, the enemy design. And I mean, there's carryover with this game, right? It's dark, it's gothic, it's dark fantasy. It's so many fucking things all in one that's so visually cool and exciting to like just kind of explore. Um, it's up there as like one of my favorite open world games, and it's it's definitely an early contender for like top spot of game of the year for me for sure. And I'm only 16 hours in, right? Like the only other game I think I liked more this year, like maybe would be like eh, Sifu. I don't know, I like mm-hmm. Sifu a fucking lot. That's a great game. I do too. But yeah, it's it's tough. Um, time will tell. Like we're gonna spend weeks with this game, and I'd be curious to see, like at the end of it, like what the replay value is, right? Like it seems like it's really high. Soulsborne games are always like, yeah, play another character, do a different sequence of events to get a different, slightly different ending, rather. And I'm curious to see, like, how many different like end paths to a different ending are gonna be in this game as well. Uh, that make me want to just like replay it again and again, like because I know we're gonna probably try. And do the platinum, even though it has some of those Soulsborne staples of like get every fucking spell, which are kind of like monotonous to me. Lame shit. Yeah, but no, it's uh, I I would say if you're a Soulsborne fan, play it. If you are an open world fan who maybe is frustrated by Dark Souls games traditionally be very trepidatious about it maybe like watch some videos about it like watch some of your favorite content creators play mm-hmm. it maybe just see if it's something for you because it's it's going to be one of those things where it's like once you get your hands on it it's like you're going to decide really quick if you like it or not like you're going to get punished and be like oh this fucking sucks like a lot of people have been like oh i was really interested in playing it but now i hate it because like i can't get past this hurdle who, who I'm just, this? there's a lot of noise about this game on twitter right now so much noise um, and it's, some of it's annoying to hear because it's like just contrarians and then like soul born fans being like we'll just get good like this is the design of the game it's like shut the fuck up whatever but (laughs) yeah i think um if if you are not keen on souls games like really really approach it knowing that like it is still that at its core right it still is a fucking spiked fist that's gonna knock you off your horse and ask you to get back up again so it's that first yeah (laughs) that's the thing that i'm trying to tell you like this is not like oh here's the easy souls game i can onboard with nope nope Nope, nope. Yeah. Some people have said this is the hardest Souls game that they've played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so get ready. Get ready for that kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, it's a great game. I guess the best thing I could say about it is I don't want to kick her out of bed. I don't want to kick her out of bed. I'm always excited to see what new thing is going to happen, whether it is like following the golden path and seeing a boss fight that like yeah. is really scripted or just like going into an open plane and then having a dragon fucking dive bomb on me i'm like holy shit this is a mini boss that's something we don't talk we haven't talked about yet there's so many fucking mini bosses in this game where it's like holy shit and you think it's a main thing and it's like nope it's just a mini boss i took its heart i got some ruins off of it yeah yeah yeah. that was kind of it but like there's a lot like little caves like will end with like oh here's a one-on-one fight with a fucking boss there's so many bosses it's so many bosses there's a ridiculous amount of bosses there is some like repeat bosses though keep that in mind sure different skins yeah different skins of dragons and 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 such that that happens and like 
that might be somewhat disappointing for some people and i'm just kind of like eh, that's how you do it maybe yeah i mean even bloodborne did that with like the chalice dungeons it where it's like we're gonna kind of recontextualize like some of these enemies we're gonna give you a fucking uh amidala but it's gonna be in a small cave you know yeah. like but it hasn't happened enough for me to be like oh man it's just the same bosses over and over again no no nope i'm always running into something that's like new and dastardly mm -hmm. and horrible and you have to learn with as much focus and attention as any other boss in the game, yeah. honestly. So, yeah. There, there's some good bosses where, like, I one-shotty them, of course. But they're still like, yo, this is still, like, a fun fight. This is still something I need to work through, right? Beast Man in the Cave. I always remember him. Hmm. There's a Beast Man in the Cave. He looks like a Bloodborne Beast. It's pretty cool. I haven't seen that yet. You gotta get there. There's a lot I haven't seen yet. There's no single person that's seen everything yet. No. That that is fucking a thousand percent sure. Maybe body vids. Body video? Nah, yeah. he's still working. I'm excited to see his retrospectives and his deep dives and lore that, dissections of this game. That's the sure. one thing that I'm not like quite getting though. Like I'm still don't quite understand the lore of the game. I know the basic premise, but I don't like understand the different places or why these people are doing this. Why mm. these people look like the Burger King sneak king? I don't understand. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I I want to watch some of his videos to start the figure that out but it's exciting because he's learning it right now mm -hmm. as we're playing it it's not something where like from software gave him a fucking like bible like a lore bible mm -hmm. to figure out no we're all learning together don't know what the sneak king guys are about but they are sons of bitches yeah they're like these fucking spectral like they have what looks like the burger king fucking head on and they just have like magic weapons and it's like oh well fuck you you're powerful for no reason I hate, I hate you. I hate them. Yeah, that area is cool otherwise, but... I know. Well, we gotta land it. This is it. Well, guys, thank you for listening to this fucking mega-packed open-world episode. Sure was. Uh, this, is, this was nuts. We, we told ourselves, hey, let's not do a hybrid news episode because it's going to go long, and even if we took this out... Even if we took the, the opening news bits out, this would have still been a two-hour two hour episode because there's so much to talk about. It's crazy. Fucking, we're, we're going to talk about this game, like, I think ad nauseum. Like, I would like to maybe one day do a review episode, like, at least when we've seen the main story through, whatever that looks like. <laughs> we should have a few people on that review episode. Yeah, let's have a fucking whole... We should have a big one. We'll, we'll have a roundtable discussion. roundtable Because that's discussion. relevant to the game. But you better give Roderica a fucking folding table <laughs> to do her work. What's going on? You gave the blacksmith an anvil. Yeah. You gave this hugging woman an entire room. You're going to let Roderica sit there on the blanket? Messed up. It's pretty fucked up. Messed up. You know what isn't messed up? Following us on Twitter. Go follow us on Twitter, at Save Room Show. That'd be the coolest thing you could fucking do. Uh, in parallel, too. Also, on Spotify, there is a rating feature. Go give us a five-star rating. Five stars. Yeah. Just like Elden Ring. Five stars. <laughs> five out of five game. No notes. Yeah. Well, some notes. You know what else isn't fucked up beyond all imagination? Mm. Me undies. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we thank you uh, if you made it this far. We fucking love you. You guys are the best save roommates we could uh, ever ask for. We're not asking for rent this year. Maybe next year. You know? We are asking for rent this year. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, thank you. Have a wonderful night. Be sure... To touch some grace. Touch some grace. Oh my god. Reach out and touch grace. Reach out and touch grace. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I do love like the, the fingers of grace where they kind of just like point the way. It's really neat. A lot of fingering going yeah. on in this game, huh? A lot of fingers. Try Have you talked to the giant fingers yet? No. <laughs> it was. 
It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got you to talk to them. All right. You got to talk to hey, them. Hey, well, just let me know in the Discord like where to go on the map. It's incredibly weird. The round table. Uh, they opened up the top floor. Go uh, ahead and okay, talk to those fingers. You'll be fine. Well, on that note. Get fingered. Try butthole. Oh!